To episode 37 of Zap to the Past. My name is Adrian Mills and I'm joined as ever by Graham Raddings. If you haven't listened before, this is a podcast where we discuss games that were released for the Commodore 64. We are using the magazine Zap 64 as a monthly guide for the games to focus on, but we are in no way affiliated with Zap 64 itself. This week we're going to be looking at November 1986 and the first batch of games reviewed in issue 19 of Zap 64, along with what was also going on in UK music that month. Graham, Tell us what dreamy delights we have coming up. In this festive fruit jelly and Turkish delight field episode, we travel all around the world to participate in some throwing, lifting, jumping, diving, slapping and rolling with the globe-trotting events of World Games, play dreary futuristic zero-gravity ping-pong with the treacle-speed vectors of Room 10 and try a look at the 8-bit casino craps table in the suggestive Miami Dice. We also stick on an appy and smash everything we see in the naughty but not nice Jack the Nipper and stiffen our upper lips, grab our daring-do pants and battle the Mekon with the impressive Dandare pilots of the future. If those festive treats haven't made your teeth itch quite enough, we also give our magic carpets a vax, polish our oil lamps and get ready for untold riches with the legend of Sinbad, take a dull trip to the beach with the ridiculous jump em up bicycle tomfoolery of Velocipede, take to the empty skies again, flying around again in the fancy cockpit world of Strikeforce Harrier, before finally going on a psychotropic-inspired mushroom-fueled dash for truffles in the deranged fungus. Remember, festive fruit jellies may look like fruit pastels, but they are not the same. They are just not the same. Pleasant. So let's get on with them, because we've got loads. There's a lot of games. It's madness from here on, isn't it, with games? Yes, it's just literal madness. quite a lot. It's uh, prolific. <laughs> Yeah, there's something went something went on in the water in like middle of 1986 where everyone started making a game for the yeah. Commodore 64, and over the next few months it just goes crazy. It so does. let's have the first of those, and a game that takes us all around the world, not like the song, but all around the world to play some games. Graham, tell us all about World Games. World Games is the gold medal for this particular issue of Zap. Scored a whopping 98%. 98, let me just say that again. Ooh. Spicy, spicy so, meatball. For something to be 98% and a gold medal, it's got to be something special, and I can guarantee that this is. So World Games is a multi-sport game in this in the vein of Summer Games, Summer Games 2, and all of that kind of thing, Winter Games, created by the same people, created by those masters of the, the multi-sport game, Epics. So this is building on the success success of all of their previous games. Actually, more the success of Summer Games 2 and Winter Games, I think, perhaps a little bit. So the aim of this game is that you start by selecting your country of origin and you can play multiplayer and all of that kind of setup is the same as the worlds of Summer Games and Summer Games 2 and all of those things. This time you go around the world trying different events. There are eight events, which are weightlifting in Russia, barrel jumping in Germany, cliff diving in Mexico, slalom skiing in France, log rolling in Canada, bull riding in the United States, cable tossing in Scotland, and sumo wrestling in Japan. So you can either choose to play the sports individually. It's obviously a multiplayer game, or you can play them all as in a, as consecutively. Again, as with, I think, up to, I want to say, eight players. 
you would be writing so, 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 so this is one of those games where it's they're all each in their own right to kind of mini game if you've played any of the summer games and everything else you don't really need me to explain how the how this system works so the games are controlled variously by waggling pushing up down left jumping just controlling the joystick in certain ways and certain certain methods to try and achieve the best score and that's really the game in a nutshell now the graphics for this game, each each one of the it was a big big old game on disc. This I think it was on two discs, maybe two discs, at least certainly two full discs, mm-hmm. and it's also on tape. And so each of these events is a load in its own right. But thank you, Epics, for your super fast loading. I think I think this might be Vorpal, I'm not sure, but it's it's such a fast loading game, it's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. So there's never really a big difference. Well, let's say difference, but there's really never a big problem with playing this game. It's actually a really approachable tape disc game. And all the events are really good graphics. They're really fun. They're really excellent representations of the actual sports that they are. The events themselves quite easy. Once you know the controls, you then have to, you then go through the kind of the kind of journey that you go through with the summer games, where you can you actually can get better at this game just by sort of mastering the timing and sort of getting the moves right, and you progress through the game. Each one of these games, because each one is a single load, so each one of these individual games is actually a brilliant little game in its own right. They're quite funny in their own way. They've got little funny, quirky animations. Um, the weightlifter, for example, wiggles his fingers just before he's about to lift the weight. Or And th- there's just little touches in these games that make it really good. I think the cliff diver leans over and looks over the cliff, doesn't he? And then if you get mm-hmm. the dive wrong, yes. he kind of floats to the bottom. Like, <laughs> so there's, there's, a yeah. sense, there's a really good epic sense of humour to this game all the way through. Some of the events aren't as successful as the others in terms of just the way they play. They're all really good, but some of them just aren't quite as good as the others. I don't know that the bull riding is that successful, but it's okay. I think some of them, I think for me, the one that I find the most difficult perhaps is the log rolling. I find I just wasn't, it takes a while to get <laughs> to get good at that. It is actually really graphically really good, but it takes a while to get good at it. So you've got great graphics, really well-designed mini sports games, really all, all the usual epics capturing of the scores and all the rest of it. On top of that, you've got some really amazing sound effects and sounds in this game including i would argue the best bagpipe Bagpipe. sound i think i've ever heard on a synthesizer ever so it's it's got everything and i think it's possibly the greatest multi-sports game that was ever created for the commodore 64 in fact i'd I'd go on on the record of saying it is the greatest sports game epics do others as well after this including california games but it was never this good and i still play this to this day in fact i was only playing this at the weekend with my young lad who really really likes it and turns out he's really really good at the barrel jumping like really crazy good so which was kind of annoying so I really, really like it. I have always liked World Games. It's my favourite out of all the epic sports, multi-sport games by a long way. So what else is there to say? It's it's an astonishing achievement. And I think it comes on the C64 Maxi... I think it's built in. I seem to recall. I think it's built yeah, into the I actual. Yeah, I think it's on the Maxi and the Mini. I think. Yeah, I think yeah. it's on the Mini and the Maxi. So, so it just it's kind of a testament to how good a game it really is. But that's my two pence worth. What about you? Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to disagree with you really uh, in most aspects. I, as ever with these uh, sports games, I recorded my scores for my playthrough, um, and I got 150 kilograms on the on the snatch for the weightlifting, um, and I got zero for the clean and jerk. I kept getting the, the final. <laughs> j- I, I couldn't quite master the final jerk. You couldn't jerk. say I could clean very well, but not jerk. You couldn't, well, that's that's uh, that's on your Tinder profile, to be fair. So it, it, it is, yes, and it, I'm proud of that. I'm proud of that. I really am. Um, I was also proud. I did twelve at the barrel jumping, uh, which wasn't too bad. Um, I used to be a lot better. I do remember, but that was twelve. Cliff diving, I got a seventy-four slalom. I missed eleven gates and got a fault. 
<laughs> that slalom's it's slalom's really hard, hard. it is really stupidly it's hard it's really rock hard uh, barrel rolling I got the uh, rank of rubbish I just couldn't couldn't get the hang of it and faulted every time and the log rolling you mean yeah no, no, it's barrel, don't, the barrel don't go rolling, rolling out the barrels what you would oh, need yeah, log, log rolling yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's true yeah <laughs> that's, why, that's probably why I was rubbish at it <laughs> it's the wrong thing I'm log rolling <laughs> in the wrong country <laughs> Um, anyway, I was rubbish at it, no matter what I was rolling on. Bull riding, I faulted at that because I, I didn't take time to learn the controls. Kyber toss, I got 35 feet and 9 inches. That's good that was for okay. a Kyber toss. That, that's really uh, good. That's not bad. And, and, and I lost repeatedly at the sumo. I kept trying um, to make so it that, land on his toe so it made him hop around in pain, though, on the yeah. Kyber toss. Because I do like the little animations. There are, and there's loads of them. It's like if you're barrel jumping, if you don't, you know, you don't pull the legs down after at the bottom, he turns blue in the ice. That's right. if, you, if, you, if you don't drop the weights, his face turns through various shades colours, of red. Yeah. If you just smack into the bottom of the uh, water in the cliff diving, it's just oh so painful. Yeah. Yeah. So there's loads of loads of really cool stuff in this, and it is very very good. And it's you know it's different to the previous uh, previous games, uh, which were I wouldn't say serious and po faced, but this has a, a much more sort of wacky out there sense of humor about it because i don't think it's trying to simulate this is this is the trans world sport of this series <laughs> it is um or your world of sports so dicky dave i would imagine dicky davis would be presenting this one whereas the <laughs> the uh, summer games and winter games would be on grandstand yeah so this is the you know you turn to itv and you've got world games because that's yep. what you'd get and you can imagine dicky davis telling you all about them before, you know as you went through a saturday afternoon and you never <laughs> knew where you were going to end up sometimes True. you're in france doing slaloms and the next time you're in japan watching some sumo so i I kind of like that about this and the fact that it doesn't take itself very seriously, but it's still excellent through and through. It still has that yep. top-notch epics polish sheen whatever one you, you know when you call it and any other kind of uh you know pledge i don't know any other kind of uh polish type you can think of <laughs> it's got it on it. it's just lathered with it someone's yes. really come up with this and buffed it to a, a fine shine yes um all, all the corners are smoothed off everything works it's lovely to look at and listen to it was clearly really well play tested many other games take note do that T test your games a lot because yeah. then when you do that you find all the little problems with them and then you can release it without those in that's true just, and there's a lot, of, a lot stranger i mean quite a few people did work on this it's quite a big team yes for the time. I, I spotted that so that's you know that is something going on there epics obviously put a lot of effort into this had a lot of people on it yeah. for the time it's quite it's a bit it's a team of about sort of 12 or 13 people isn't Absolutely. it something like that which is you know big for the time that's a that's a massive team it is so and 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 you've got a year really between this and winter games yeah. isn't it? it's about a year i think that was november yeah. wasn't it november december last year so there is you know they've had the time there's a lot of people working on this and you know they, 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 it shows it shows in every aspect of it from the visuals to the sound which is all great the presentation yeah. I, I, I don't know if that you know again i would like to have seen a maybe a, a different menu <laughs> i don't know i quite i think it what if it works it works it does what it does, but it's a bit bare bones and plain in comparison to everything else about the game with the, you know, the the, the uh, sort of travelogue and stuff. Just it's a bit, would have maybe something they could have spruced up a little bit. I don't know. It's still the same. They could have updated the anthem sounds. Yeah. <laughs> At least. True sort of thing. But the anthems are the anthems, aren't they? I'm not going to, I don't get too fussed about them. You know, some crazy tunes, but like you said, that bagpipes music is, is nothing short of astonishing. Absolutely mind-blowing that. Uh, yeah. It's, um you know, that's. That's a uh, Tim Follin, Ghost and Ghouls um, level of quality of sound coming yeah, out of the Sid chip. Is, yes, so it's quite quite incredible. So when it comes down to this, you know, this is a cracking a cracking sports sim. Personally, I have to say that 
I think I will always err on the side of Summer Games 2. Ah, crazy um, person. I know, I know, I know, I know. I just think Summer Games 2, just either I played it a lot more. There's something, I don't know, there's something in Summer Games 2 that I always liked. And I don't get me, you know, this, I love them all. I love Winter Games, World Games, Summer Games, Summer Games 2. They're, they're all brilliant. But for me, Summer Games 2 is always, I always found the pinnacle. Not that this isn't brilliant. This is better than, and I, well, you know, was it worth the 98%? Yeah, probably the 99 cents it gets and all those big old scores. It's a brilliant, brilliant game and I'm not going to knock it. There is nothing to knock i just think that as you pointed out i am not sure because uh, apart from they say the equestrian which is a bit of i think all the other games in summer games 2 are almost perfect there's a couple in here and like you said the, the the log rolling is a kind of weird sort of thing and the slalom's a bit hardish the you know the sumo is twitchy um and there are these little issues with it that just like Ugh. so i do love it i just love summer games 2 more and always have but if you're going to play a, 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 a you know if you're going to go watch world of sport then uh this is a, a brilliant sort of version of that i think that's well yeah because I, I suppose at least this has all the all the events in it are completely unique to each other whereas summer games 2 at least two of the events in it are kind of the same kind of event aren't they or similar which ones so isn't the the or am i thinking of winter games with the ice you've got the ice skating which there's two events in summer games that are kind of what are the events in summer games 2 summer games 2 there's triple jump javelin high jump rowing equestrian fencing yeah. kayaking um and there's another one as well yeah which I, can't so I think remember. It's, it's always felt like maybe, maybe the bit of a curse i was thinking that there was um some events that were similar but i think i was thinking of winter games where you've got the ice skating and it's actually kind of the twice t- yeah there's the two ice games and there's only yeah. seven events in winter games yeah, so, so winter games is the is, is the, the weaker link isn't it really yes yeah th- and that's what i mean this is the return to summer games yeah. two level i mean it's hard I mean, I mean if you put me in front of a computer and, and said play winter games and will games i'm not going to go oh, i'd rather play summer games well no I, I don't i think i think there's little bits like you say like the opening of closing of the games and things like that it just sort of yes, doesn't have exactly. that in this. it doesn't but i think it what it doesn't have that it makes up for it kind of in the quality of the games in there because some of these are genuinely a lot better than the pre- presentation of the games in some games too but then again we're a year down the line aren't we or a year plus so. yeah year and a half with in yeah. comparison to that so, but bigger team and all that yeah yeah i mean, I mean we're, we're, we're splitting hairs i mean it's well that was that was the ninth event they never put in <laughs> The hair splitting. Yeah. <laughs> Is that yeah. like chopping a rabbit in the middle? It <laughs> sounds painful. I don't it know what, what country would host that. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe probably us. North Korea. It'd probably be us with a fox, oh, fox on there or something. Oh, God, no. Don't put that in there. No, don't put that in there. But yeah, so, you know, I'm not knocking this. This is a brilliant, brilliant game. And, and I think our, it's clear our verdict on this is go play it. Whatever yeah. you got it on, whether it's on the Mini, the Maxi, for whatever. For Reels is, yeah. For, yeah, for Reels is on real hardware, whatever. World don't Games is it. worth your time. Yeah. Go play it. Absolutely. There you go. Indeed. Here we go. We love World Games. It's great. It is. More than we like the next one, I'm going to guess. Uh... <laughs> I love how that's, that should be our catchphrase. It used to be, let's move on. Now it's more than we like the next one. <laughs> because every yes. time we do it, we go, oh, we love that. And then we go, more than the next one. Yes. And then probably more than, less than... Anyway, let's, let's, let's go to the next one, shall we? Because I've got that one. Aren't I lucky? No. So our next one is uh, Room 10. <laughs> this is, it scored 15% and it was a full price game, nine ninety five. And according to the review, this is by the same guy who did the Spectrum version and originally designed Tau Seti. Mm. It said in the review, I, I don't know, I couldn't find any info for it. I was like, oh, this is weird. Um, but so this is Room 10. So this is a futuristic sports sim where you control a bat and have to hit it, hit a ball back across a 3D space. I don't know who I'm trying to kid here. Someone has decided that Pong needs to be in 3D mm. and that would make it better. Am I wrong? That's what this is. Um, this is Pong in 3D. I suppose real ping pong is in 
actual it three is, dimensions. But, but this but is actual like two, this. two, two like square this. bats. Not like this. No, God, no. This is a horrible version of the Matrix, again, that we seem to have entered into, <laughs> where you live in a box with bats that move very slowly, because it would be all right if it didn't move at our, you know, patented treacle speed, uh, which this does. <laughs> and uh, I'll tell you how much this game annoyed me, right? <laughs> there are different speeds to select from the menu, and these go from Adagio to Adente to Moderato to Allegro to Vivace to Presto. Uh. I don't want to have to consult a music dictionary to understand the speed of your game. No, and it won't don't. help. No, because none of them seem the same anyway. No. I don't know what... I don't know... Um, my definition of a brisk pace is not the same as this game's. No. Because that's what I looked up and that's what presto means as far yeah. as I believe. Uh, you know, it's a br- I'm not up on these Italian terms for musical, musical tempo, should we say. Don't apply it to a vector-based 3D ping pong simulator <laughs> they, i'm pretty no, they sure should, no they, they only apply to music Generally, there's a reason for that yeah. yeah so no you couldn't just put slow slightly slow because it'd just be all the words slow it'd be yeah. slow slower very slow turgid treacle yeah swamp <laughs> i don't know what else there would be <laughs> yeah <laughs> hobbling <laughs> So this, and I don't know why it's called Room Ten. Did you get that? Isn't there something to do with the essence of the actual sport? I don't think. I don't know. <laughs> so you can change the color scheme. There's loads of little options. You change the color yeah. scheme for the in-game visuals. It's, it's vector graphics. <laughs> change yeah. the color scheme. They're still white. <laughs> it's still white lines. Yeah. It's just drab as anything. It's slow wireframe box to move in. What? What? You know. My issue with this was like when you look at because it, obviously it's split screen, but when you look at Ball Blazer. Mm. And you look at that and the speed and the pace and the yeah. smoothness of something like Ball Blazer, which this is reminiscent of two things moving around, batting a ball back. And this isn't even moving moving the actual 3D space very much. No. There's no space for this. There's just nothing. There's no there's no reason for this to exist. I don't understand it. And for nine pounds ninety five, oh my good lord. What is um, that stink? This, yeah, it's a, oh, I don't know, room room stench. <laughs> <laughs> that's what this is it is yeah so I didn't like Room 10 I thought it was a pointless pointless effort to make Pong in 3D Pong is at this point 14 years old it's ping pong we've had ping pong games we've, we've reviewed two of them and this is a terrible terrible attempt to do something with it which is pointless and utterly nonsensical and I thought it was crap in every way how about you <laughs> what can you add really to- this game is so fundamentally flawed in both physics and logic that the person who actually made this game must have suffered a seizure and a breakdown at the same time. (laughs) The idea of setting a ping pong game in low gravity is just the stupidest thing in the world because it defeats the purpose of a fast game if it's in zero gravity because it's going to immediately be at the same pace for everybody. You can't hit something in zero gravity any harder than it's going to go through zero gravity. So this game, even though... And the the idea of being able to make a game like this have speeds, what's the point? You can't Mm -hmm. play it... If you went to to a a tennis match with two of the world's most famous tennis players, said, right, I want you to keep all your serves at exactly 25 miles an hour. No faster than that. This ball cannot go any faster than that. <laughs> it would defeat the purpose of playing exciting tennis, wouldn't it? Hence the reason why there is no excitement in this dreary game. Just adding the stupid logic. So this is apparently the Gal Corp. Uh, uh, this is the premise. Um, <laughs> don't, don't, don't go there. Don't. It's not worth <laughs> well, it. Well, the reason I mention it is because they, they're a corporation that invented a new sport to be played in low gravity rooms. This yeah, means that for yeah. some reason, all these people live in a world where there are rooms with low gravity. Why does that even happen? Why <laughs> would you have a room with low gravity? Unless you just want to feel heavy for an hour or something. Just just off in the lounge. I need to feel at least two or three kilos heavier, so I'm just going to go in the low gravity room for a bit. I have trouble walking around and make all my bones rot away. So, 
or alternatively just float around and you know, anyway it doesn't matter does it so yeah it's a three no. it's a, i put it, it's a kind of a 3d pong isn't it but kind of in that i almost i also made a note of it it felt a little bit air hockey as well I think. Yeah, there is a bit of that, but air hockey played at such a slow space, well, slow uh, speed sort of thing that again you're playing air hockey in, in zero well, G, which is pointless. It's just it's just not, is it? Well, the thing is, the reason the reason I thought it was, it, I think it sounded like air hockey because it had the kind of air hockey sounds. Looked like a crap 3D pong because vector graphics. Just no, your first mistake was vector graphics, and then it just mm-hmm. failed it because it was just a slow, b slow, and c slow. <laughs> And it just felt kind of oddly unfinished as well because it just kind of went game because that opening screen comes on where you choose the options and it's all a bit perfunctory. And then you get through that and you get presented with this sort of (laughs) backwards and forwards gravity blob and you're like, just make this nonsense disappear, please. Go to to zero gravity. You're going to black hole and never come out. (laughs) So, of course, that's actually the opposite of zero gravity. That's an immense amount of gravity, but you get my idea. That's all the gravity. That's all the gravity. This game belongs in a sinkhole. (laughs) So stink, stink hole. hole. Just put it up someone's stink hole. Anyone's, but not mine. Rooms, rooms. That's why it's room stench. It is. It's just you know, it's like someone's dro- someone's dropped a room stench. So, you know, I don't oh, care who programmed it. He was having a bad day, or they were having a bad day. So adios, room ten. Thanks for all the fish. Get lost. <laughs> yeah. Crap. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, we don't like room no. ten. No. And why room ten either as well? Why? What? What, what goes on in room one? Room one hundred one is what that where that game is bloody going. It. I was thinking that. Yeah. This. This. This needs to be a uh, flush down the toilet <laughs> and just uh, never spoken of again. This game could block the C sixty four toilet pipes for some time. So let's flush and flush again. <laughs> yeah. All right. Here we go. Room crap. Let's move on quickly. Well, I don't know. This got a much higher score, but I'm not sure why. Graham, tell us about the appallingly... And this isn't even us giving the pun here. <laughs> <laughs> the, the appallingly titled Miami Dice. So, boom, 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 Miami Dice, everyone. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you suck. The Dice Miami. <laughs> Get off! Get off! (laughs) So this is a casino game. It's a version of the game Craps from a casino. And Craps is basically a dice game, isn't it? Where you think Mm -hmm. two dice are thrown and then you bet on the outcome of the throw after that, I think, or something like that. I don't really know the full rules of Craps and I'd never want to. And so there's all sorts of various outcomes of the dice you can bet on. So, you know... It's a, it's a, in the casino, I imagine. It's probably exciting. It's probably all sorts of, you know, gangster types all crowded around the table, blowing on the dice and throwing them and getting their really pretty lady yeah. to the left and the really good looking guy to the right to blow on the dice, of course. And then um, roll them in and, and all that. I imagine all that's crazy. What you presented with this is kind of all, it's kind of a, a craps table at the bottom. And the graphics aren't awful, they're just not ace. So there's a craps table. You wouldn't know it was a craps table. And by the way, you would never know this was craps unless you know about craps. So, so it's yeah, because there's no explanation. No, it's there? just there's people. people like, but, but five, I think five or six people. I think you can choose how many people. Well, you can choose your character at the start. This is what baffled me. It says enter your name, but you can't actually enter your own name. I think you can only. Oh, you can edit the character. I think you can yeah. pick a character from you can, uh, Charlie Chan, and then yeah, you can edit you can. your. So you can choose the character look, but you have you can give it anyway. It doesn't matter really. You all end up in a line at the back of the craps table, and then each person then takes a turn throwing the dice and betting on the outcome and going around, 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 around. You go. So it's another sort of, and I, I have trouble with casino and gambling games in general not because one well one because i'm rubbish at gambling anyway and i mean genuinely really bad i once bet on a dog track at a dog track and the dog dropped dead before it even left the blocks that's a true story it did it just dropped it just died that was at the uh, doncaster uh, yeah doncaster or sheffield 
dog track, but it just it just died. So I'm not known for my I look. Shouldn't, I, sh- I shouldn't laugh. I shouldn't. That's a dead dog. Yeah, it was, it was horrific at the time, but I knew I knew I'd done that. It's like my jinx had struck. So I generally don't play casino and gambling games of any kind. So when they come up like this, I don't, I don't, I don't have that gene. I don't have that thing in me that gets interest from these things. Now I know that that's not applicable to everybody because I've seen, I've gone in the pub before now and seen one guy stood in front of the slot machine. Slot machine. See, I don't even know what they're called. Stood in front of the uh, the bandit. What? Fruit, fruit machine, machine, whatever the bloody hell they're called. The, the ones where you can, yeah, fruit, fruit machine. machine. Seeing some people stood there pumping money in and then money pumps out and they pump money in. And I get all that. Maybe that's for them, but it ain't for me. So, but this is, I suppose, it's not that you're going to hone skills at craps with this because it's an outcome-based thing. So it's just random dice rolls, really. There's a little bit of animation when they roll the dice and all of that. But other than that, it held no interest to me because I'm not into this sort of stuff. Dave Whitaker's soundtrack was okay. The sound in the game's okay. The graphics aren't awful, but they're not. They're not terrible, but they're kind of what they are. They're very... It's kind of one screen of stuff and a little bit of selection here and there. So if you know how to play craps and you like it, and if that kind of is your thing, and if you like that kind of game, then maybe this for two ninety nine is something that you would have gone for. It would have helped if they'd have put what it was on the box instead of give, come up with some gimmicky Miami Vice sort of pun because it means nothing <laughs> to anybody. People might buy this thinking it was some kind of... Because they don't even play this in Miami. This is played in vegas and it doesn't really matter does it it's geographically challenged at best anyway so not for me this one 2.99 it might be cheap for a gambling game it's certainly cheaper than pumping loads of coins into a gambling machine of any description but uh since i don't do either of those things this game is another um turd on the plate i'm afraid so wash it away wash away <laughs> go away go away miami dice Ugh. Ugh. what is that Ugh. about you I hated this. Um, so <laughs> there's so many things wrong with it. <laughs> what what does it say at the start? What is that speech? Oh, of course, I forgot is about it, the uh, speech. <laughs> they're coming out. <laughs> or is it? Or does it say "Welcome to the house"? I couldn't work it out. I, I presume know. it says. I think it says they, they're coming out. And then I got presented with a <laughs> sexy Susie, or whatever. And I thought they are coming sexy out. Susie. There's a problem here, or whatever it was. And. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to... I have to comment on the hand action animation. Oh, I, it was a little... I didn't want to say anything because it's... No, no, no. I think I think we should. In, we should be fair and, fair and even in our in our review here sort of thing. Because essentially, this is, you know... Let's just say somebody has been watching early 1980s adult movies <laughs> when they've looked at how people throw dice. Because they've obviously never been to a casino and watch no. how people throw dice. What they've been watching is other kinds of, other kinds of hand action. <laughs> There's no other way. I can't put it any more politer. No. Okay. I know this isn't. You know, we're not. A, we're not a blue podcast, should we say? But there's certain things in that. I watched when it first started, and I moved the joystick back and forth, and I, I played. I think I was Larry Hagman uh, yeah. playing it, and I was like, "What? What am I looking at here?" Did you get? Did what, it feel a little goofy when you waggling your joystick? <laughs> and that's it, it did because next to me, next to me was Sexy Susie, <laughs> and it was just all kinds of wrong. <laughs> it was awful. I was like, "Oh my god, this is this is the really bad." Blank, dead-eyed expressions when they're doing it that scared it, yeah. me. Like, oh god, but, that's. Well, it's not just a blank dead eye expressions. It's like some of them like they look they look shiftily left and right as well. <laughs> so it's like they know that what's going on is slightly dubious. So it's like going what's the what they're doing? Oh, like the dear. sprites are in on the fact that this is some kind of a blue movie a- adventure. Yeah. So I, I put I, said, I guess this is craps. Yeah. I guess because I didn't I didn't know. Because there's no introduction, nothing to tell no. me, and I didn't really have any idea. I was throwing a dice. People were putting stuff on the board. <laughs> the, the the guy with the stick every now and again would go, "They're coming out." 
and then pull pull the pull the thing back. And I had no idea what the bloody hell was going on. And 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 I think the main problem I have with these kind of games, we've seen a few of them now. I don't I don't get the point. No. I literally do not understand no. these virtual gambling games because no. there's nothing to win. So Sam Foxtrip Poker, the video poker we one we saw. Has, has there been other ones? There was another one I think one there as well. I, I erased them. God, from God, my awful, mind, God so. awful nightmare. So there's nothing to win and there's no skill involved. And the, the thrill of these games in real life is the the gambling it's the winning and losing it it's the i've put money on so the visceral thrill of the dopamine hit is trying to get will i get some money back have i done something bad or have I, you know won some things like betting on a football game or betting on a horse or on the dogs if you don't kill them all this kind of thing is the point of gambling so when there's no money involved when it's nothing it's all virtual and nothing of it ma- none of it matters the game doesn't matter there's no point to this yeah. you know i've put in here the, the in-game visuals are okay the music's not terrible it's just all terribly terribly pointless yeah yeah, yeah. and i just don't understand it because Surely everybody had some dice back then. We were replete. We were a, a nation of dice dice owners. Every board game you Every had car. gave you ten dice. It's just like yeah, you go. I got you walking in the shop. Have some dice. You have some. Just people were throwing dice at you. So everyone had dice. So. You could play this yourself with your friends or without, and that's what, if you wanted to play craps, there was better options. Just play it with your friends because there's no point to this. There's no point to a virtual gambling sim. And I don't understand these. And how the hell this got 72%? Well, I think they must be closet gamblers. Oh, they're all all in rehab or something. And this is a way of helping them. I don't know. I'm like you. I don't get it. I don't, I don't, I don't don't really get it. I've had a heavy week at work and I think it's coming out. No, uh, no, I I, I totally get it. I mean, you know, I just, it's just not, these i don't get it i don't understand but i'm not and i guessing you're not as well if i had the gene in me that was liking this sort of thing you know I'd maybe i'd play it but i i bet on football games i play the fruit machines i'm quite happy to do them to an extent i'll play poker with people for money i have done lots of times in the past i don't mind a small bit of gambling that's the thrill there's no thrill in these no. and what they are is single screen borathons yeah. where nothing's going on apart from some dubious hand movements yeah. and so miami dice is just awful yeah. Awful. They're all awful. They're all bad. Yeah. I don't like one no, of them. No, I, I, I absolutely them. agree. It got such a high rating for such a crappy one-dimensional game. I don't get it. But like I said, the reviewers yeah. must have all been into craps. This game is a load of crap in my book. But Yeah. They're coming out. Not anymore. <laughs> no, no. It's terrible. Awful. There was a lot of dice around in the mid-80s, wasn't there? It's just funny you say that because it just made me think like, I had lo- I've still got them. Every now and again, I'll open a box and there's just dice in the corner. I'm like, how did you get there? What did I get you with? Where did you come from? People had Monopoly. People had Game of Life. But you only get two dice max with those. I had, with them. I had a bag. I'm like, where did this bag of dice come from? Because you had multiple games. Yeah. Well, do you know what? And every game ca- and every game came with at least two dice. Sometimes came well, with how's three. Well, this for Freaky? One of the dice, instead of having like your traditional blobs on it, like for the numbers, this had actual numbers on it, like the number five and the number six. I was like, who makes a dice like yeah. that? Who makes a dice that has numbers on it? Don't know. I mean, in Dungeons and Dragons, I get it. Twenty-sided dice. You're going to need twenty numbers on that. You know, and if you had a, if you had a couple of, um, if you had risk, you got five dice for that. Yeah, true. And maybe it's the, maybe we were a nation, closed closet nation of Dungeons and Dragons. But D sixes, as they're affectionately known, they were quite the mainstay of Dungeons and Dragons until you got the. Did you ever manage to successfully toss a D four? <laughs> I'm just curious to know because if anyone who listens to this has ever done that, I want to know exactly how you do it because you do have to go for this kind of inverted flip for the pyramid, don't you? Like, well, it's a pyramid. You're like, yeah, yeah, you've got to. Just, yeah, you can't roll a D four. It's not rollable. So ever tell me anyone who oh, just roll a dice? I cannot roll a D four. It's not possible. 
And the, the weird thing is you have to look at the bottom and see what number isn't on it as to what the result is. Oh, don't. Yeah, that that's right? right. It's the one underneath. So when it lands on is the one it is underneath, yeah. Yeah, So, but then it would have three numbers on, like one, two, three. Okay, well, the result is four. Oh, God, no. And then on the other side, it would say, it would say four, three, two, yeah, four, two, one, yeah. and, and one, three, and one, three, four. And it would be the number that's missing. And I'm like, why didn't you just put the number on? Yeah, she reminds me. Just write You two. get a similar sort of thing inside them Magic 8 balls, don't uh, you? Do you remember them Magic 8? They have a little D4 hidden yeah. inside. I, I once got two of those for Christmas. How indecisive does that make somebody? Because they were just, they never agreed. <laughs> it was like having two old ladies. Show, check check it on one of them. It's like, oh, not today. Check it on. Definitely. I'm like, well, what do I do? Stupid Magic 8 balls. They're not trustworthy. It's like eating multiple, uh, you know, uh, fortune cookies. Exactly. You can't, you can't, they just contradict each other. So, you know, you'll be lucky in love. You will die alone. <laughs> I blame the reason why I ate two meters of Jaffa cakes on the lucky shake of one of those stupid Magic 8 balls. And I was sick as a dog, let me tell you. Never do that. Never do that. And that was a lot of Jaffa what cakes. Was the, what was what was the result? I was what, sick. What did it I, say? Was, I, I said, should, should I eat? No. What did the egg balls say? I asked the say? question, should I eat two two meters? Of ja- I got two meters of Jaffa cakes for Christmas one year. You know the big long meter patch you can get. <laughs> yeah, so I had yeah, two yeah. meters of Jaffa cakes, and, it was, and I wrote, said, as a laugh, I was like, shall I eat them in one go? Thinking that this magic cake ball, by the way, had never come up as because it doesn't. I'm not the kind of guy that gets a look in that, so he never came up with anything other than don't do it, not today. And then this one day, it was like, yeah, go for it. I'm like, oh, great. Now I've got to eat two metres of Jaffa Cakes, which I did. And I was sick. You didn't. Sick as a You dog. didn't have to. Yeah, the Magic 8 Ball had spoken. And do not ever, ever not do what the Magic 8 Ball says. Are you crazy? Goodness me. It was on Christmas as well. It's like there's too many jinxes coming together for that, for me not to do that. Anyway. Uh, you keep saying two metres and all I'm hearing is two meats. <laughs> I filled the toilet bowl with Jaffa puke. It was the most disgusting substance <laughs> Ever, but it smelt really. Oh, nice. The first time my first time my vomit has ever smelt edible. Oh, vomited! I thought you just pooed no. it out. I thought it was like a lovely, ja- <laughs> lovely, lo- lovely Jaffa orangey bit in like the a toilet. Long two meter Jaffa cake came out. <laughs> I was just thinking, just a tube of orange. No. <laughs> it's like, a, and you could bend it round and no. make a hula hoop out of it. <laughs> Your hula hula hoop smells wrong. The human body is not capable of storing two meters of Jaffa cake in anywhere. I, it's longer well, than your long intestine. Not. It is. I'm telling you, it is. I could feel him in my throat. So, anyway. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that I feel it in my fingers. I feel it in my toe song. It's actually about eating two minutes of Jaffa Cakes. Anyway, all of that uh, is way that, better than Miami Dice. So. That reminds me of the time when I ate two 13-inch pepperoni pizzas. <laughs> <laughs> in one in one go and the world took on a, and, the, and I saw the world like uh, I saw the world like Jimi Hendrix because it had a huge it had a purple haze <laughs> you, turned, you turned into a flat earther for two hours because everything you saw was like flat like a pizza yeah it was just purple haze it was just a, I had pepperoni behind my eyeballs it's not something I bet you were farting a purple haze I, I, I knew awful. you would have been never ever eat two 13 inch pepperoni pizzas <laughs> Well, you know, Domino's had uh, just an offer on. <laughs> what? Ca- what? Ca- I was. A- I'd be a fool to say no. <laughs> Buy one, get one free. Oh, go on then. Do I have to eat it? Yes, you do. We've just rolled a magic eight magic ball. Eight, in magic, yeah. magic eight ball <laughs> says hey. you will die. Oh, looks like I'm going to eat never, them. <laughs> oh, take the magic eight ball seriously. I got rid of mine in the end. I had to hide them. I got rid of them so that I could never. I could never be challenged. It's not like the thing out of Big. It's not like Zoltar. Let me tell you, don't mess with the Magic 8-Ball. They know stuff, and I had to get rid of it because I had two of them, and I was like, "What?" it was like having an Annabelle doll. It was like cursing my life, so I had to get rid of them, so I did. I left one on a train. Sorry for the people that found it. These are true stories. I left one on a train to Newcastle and the other one's on a tube somewhere in London. That was the last time I saw them, and I never want to see them again. <laughs> sounds like Dice Man. You ever had Dice Man? <laughs> yes, yes. It sounds like well, that. Yes, anyway. I shouldn't have even mentioned it. <laughs> They'll come back. But... 
what I can tell you though is Miami Dice is crap. Yeah, dog egg. <laughs> so so yeah, egg of the dog. Let's move on. <laughs> To our final game this section before we move into the music and our final game is jack the nipper that's a funny game funny name it's isn't it? it's not based on a it's not, it's not based on a horrible horrible mass murderer from the <laughs> 1880s no not all oh jack the ripper yeah let's turn him into a child in a in a mischievous baby child yes uh okay that's uh okay it's the 80s anything goes at least they didn't call it kid ripper because that'd been that'd have been horrible <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, or kidnipper. <laughs> None of those things are good. <laughs> None of them. Uh, Nick the kid. <laughs> a flick screen, pick up the object to put the object somewhere else a thon. Yeah, sums it up. <laughs> it's what this is. And you raise a bar in order to complete the game with wandering enemies that raise your rash level because Jack the Nipper is the adventure of a small baby in a baby grow who wanders about a town being naughty by doing stuff by breaking things and picking stuff up and going through things and putting stuff together and solving little puzzles i did, did wonder something and just if you could clarify this because I, I was going to look it up but you know i couldn't be bothered it's a fast is this it's a it seems like a faster version of everyone's a wally was jack a character um, from the everyone's a wally game don't think so was he the baby i don't think so but uh it could be it could be i can look it up i can look it up and see but i'm not um, sure i don't know is. but I, I don't know because there was a baby in those one there, there i don't know if it was jack the nipper i, I didn't know so or no, because I suppose the kid one was was that pajama rama. Mm, yes, but I, I genuinely don't know. Oh uh, well, don't matter. Anyways, but this is uh, you know, this is like everyone's a Wally, but it's a bit more three D. So you've got this like pseudo three D effect where you can move in and out of the screen. Every screen has enemies that wander about. Some will home in on you. Some are adults who just don't pay you any heed. So okay, whatever. It's quite nice to look at. The sprites are quite good in that sort of C sixty four medium res style. The animation on Jack is okay. The characters that wander about are sort of sort of caricaturish and they look quite decent i liked the fact although it kind of was a bit annoying but i kind of get it and i thought it was you know okay that's quite good to get the tune the bendaglis tune playing you got to combine the walkman and the headphones um and when you do that it gets the tune playing and that's quite a decent tune but you know in the end that it's got you know the pleasant visuals and the the nice sound they can't they can't hide what this is it's another one to the screen finding stuff Mm. jumping around and the jumping as well seemed a little um arbitrary Mm. sometimes you would land on a on a on a like on a desk or sometimes you wouldn't it was never quite right i never quite felt like i knew when i was going to jump where where i was going to land because of the 3d-ness to it so it wasn't didn't quite have that there's some annoyances which i didn't like as well i didn't like having to press return to go through doors mm. i just wanted to, why can't i just press up when i'm next yeah. to him when i'm at that point you know go through it's not terrible you know it's not a bad version of one of these it's quite nice it got 75 percent, probably about right for the time i think mm. um if you like arcade adventures you gotta probably like this but you know by this point i I've just seen too many of these that do it that don't really have anything else to sort of say for them and, and they just found this a bit interminable really for me it's just another one like you said we're ages before i don't want to collect the fish what 20 screens to put mm. the fish in the bowl and i don't i just didn't want to do that in this no matter what the cutesiness appeal of it was and i just found it a bit boring in the end so that was my take of jack the nipper i don't really remember liking it back then no. either so I know I did play it back then, but again, I just... And, and, and this, these kind of games are not me getting bored of them now. I never took to them back then. I was never a big wander around collecting stuff fan no. in most things. I found it quite dull and tedious and boring. And, and I, I still, to this day, still hate respawning pointless, boring enemies. Mm. So that, that's me. That's where I come from, Jack the Nipper. No, it wasn't for me, really. Was it, was it for you? Did you enjoy your time playing as a child, wandering about, causing mayhem? No, I didn't really. Uh, it, it, it's not the kind of games that really appealed to me in that kind of 2d 3d sort of depth illusion thing 
Yeah, you got to get your naughtyometer, which is like, oh right, okay, we're okay. And well, from my experience of this game, I kept walking around, picking stuff up and dropping it and breaking it, and that was kind of the, and variously yeah. shooting yes. my pea shooter at people and then red faced and then chase me around, and getting getting nappy rash as they spanked me as a child. I was like, okay, I'm still getting a bit odd, but and so what's the eighties? Yeah, and it's just you know wander through the different screens. The enemies, there's no real logic to them. Just kind of float around in there, getting in the way and just being annoying. I felt the sound effects on the jump and stuff like that were just, after a while, really got to me because it was just like, you know, every time you jump, like you get that little kind of thing. And, uh. and, and I was just like, I'm pressing one and two to put things in my pockets and let you say return. It just felt a little bit clunky. And I think my biggest complaint was after a while, and well, not even really at, at any point, but it just, the whole game just lacked, considering it's meant to be a, a little kid running around being naughty, it just was no fun to this game. It just felt dreary. You know, the novelty mm-hmm. of firing a pea shooter wore off in two seconds and then wandering around, picking up the thing to take it to the thing. And the, and the classic thing of that is, you know, pick up the Walkman and the headphones and, hey, Presto, you get music. I'm like, oh, well, so what? Music is about the best thing in it when you do get it. The rest of it, the graphics are okay. Kind of that got that sort of mm-hmm. medium resy bits. He's kind of a high resy thing. There was a bit of sort of weird colour bleed around the edges of some of them as well, which... I don't know. They're okay. The graphics were fine. And this this is, I think, a Spectrum conversion, I think, as well. So, But at least they didn't just convert the Spectrum game. So they did actually redraw some of the graphics and it had a bit more C64 about the colour. So, okay, I'll give it a little bit of do there. But uh, it's 9.95 for this. Well, there's a lot of other cheaper wander around, pick them up and drop the thing and do the thing game. Spellbound and stuff like that. If you like that kind of game where you do that kind of thing, there's plenty of other games for cheaper that mm-hmm. do better. So, nah. I thought it was just uh, I thought it was just dull. Over time, it became dull. It is big. There's a lot of map. It is kind of samey looking, but there is a lot of map, and there is probably a lot of stuff to do. But I was bored within five minutes of wandering around looking for headphones for my Walkman, and when I found them, I'm like, oh wow! And then I was like, you know what? This game's going to be more of this, isn't it? Now nah, off it goes. Goodbye. By that point, I was so yeah. sick of that. It was bloody sound effects. I was ready to switch it off anyway. So yeah, indeed. Do you know what this reminded me of as well? So, it reminded me of uh, Ghetto Blaster. Yes, actually, yeah, yeah. It's that similar kind of street yeah. vibe, urban yeah. street vibe thing. Yes, actually, um, you got a very good with point. That, that, yeah. that kind of yes. look. Yes. In fact, I would say probably Sketter Bass was probably better. Yeah, probably. It had a bit more of an interesting concept yeah, to it, didn't it? Did, it? Yeah. But this this was just a bit, you know, and I think it was just tra- trading on the fact that you're a baby. Well, there's no wider thing mm. to this, is there? There's no, you just want to be the naughtiest. It's not like, there's no yes. real mission to this game. It's just, you know, just do naughty stuff. And how naughty can you be by just, you know, after you've thrown the sick thing off a uh, top of a thing to break it, you know, like, and maybe combined a couple of things, nothing really fantastic happens. So, no, there's no payoff to this game. I think that's my big annoyance. Everything you did never felt like it had a real payoff or anything. So, and if mm-hmm. a game's doing that, yeah. big things need to happen if you combine things. You know, there's games that do this way better with lots more, even even introducing mini games into this, a bit like Frankie Goes to Old, would have, would have been more preferable just wandering around screen after screen after screen, you know, picking up a pot plant and dropping it on the floor. Oh, yeah, you know, your meter's gone up by point three of a fraction yeah there, there were there were some special screens that went there where you could get to like pl- these little platforming yeah. screens yeah. which were a bit more different yeah. but th- they just felt more of the same they weren't doing something different like you said yeah. with Frankie Goes to Hollywood where you had a completely different mechanic yeah. suddenly introduced and a whole, a whole new style of play it was missing something and I think that what it, for me it was it was missing was fun so yeah for all its chirpy cheekiness yeah. it just didn't feel in any yeah. way sort of particularly enjoyable no fun yeah there we go so jack the nipper is not very good well it's okay if you're into these sort of things it's probably going to float your boat because you know that's what it is unfortunately as we found over the period of 30 odd episodes now that these kind of things you know more sink our sink our our battleship and float our boat they do absolutely my battleship Um, (laughs) jack the nipper he sunk my battleship (laughs) how dare you you. (laughs) 
You're very, you're a very naughty boy, Jack the Nipper, for sinking my battleship. Anyway, on that note, that's it. That's your games for this first section. We loved world games. We hated the rest. Um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I think is 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 the summation. Don't you know? Room ten. Oh God, Miami Dice. A and Jack the Nipper. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, your sound reviews this week. So stay with us. We'll be back very soon. Uh, where we'll be looking at music in November 1986. to our sponsor davidhernwriter.com where you'll find stories influenced by classic games from the Commodore 64 and Amiga. Take the case of the Notorious Roboticist which features Benson, a comedic robot trapped as a slave on a ship named Targ. If only he could find that Nova Drive. On a more serious note, the story explores bias in AI and misandry versus equality. Which will win the day? Join Gumshoe Moros and come on an adventure. Visit davidhernwriter.com that's David, H-E-A-R-N-E, writer.com to find out more. Hello, welcome back. So, that was your first lot of games. Now let's look at what was going on in music in November 1986. We've we spoken about this one before. We did, then it came out and we talked about this. So number one yeah. for first four weeks, for the first four weeks of November was You Take My Breath Away. Do, do, do. <laughs> do, do, do. The love theme from Top Gun, Take My Breath yeah. Away from, by Berlin. Yeah, because if you remember, we said last time that it was written by Giorgio Moroder. Oh, yeah. Not Hugh Padgham. No, Everything no, seems to be by Hugh no, Padgham. it's either Giorgio Moroder or Hugh Padgham. I didn't realise, but Berlin were actually formed in Los Angeles in 1978. I thought, for some reason, I thought they were a European thing. Well, the, the name would lead you to that information, I would yes. imagine. Um, but, um, I wonder yeah. if, they, you know, what if they were called Merlin? <laughs> and they changed it. They got, the, they got it wrong and they printed it. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Why do we call Merlin? Look, I've got the beard. I've got the beard and hat and everything. <laughs> People are going to think we're from Europe now, and we're clearly not. <laughs> no, no, neither are we from Cornwall. Let's <laughs> do a tintagel. <laughs> but yeah, they're interesting. The only other interesting thing I could find about Berlin was that they did a uh, track called "Oh Antonio," which was a a remix track of something by uh, another European act called Annie. And it's actually very, it's actually a really good track. If you can hunt it down, it's on the, it's on a soundtrack to another film, The Guest. It's on the soundtrack to The Guest. So um, if you... Oh, what? The the, the recent one? The, yeah, The Wingard. Uh, was it Adam Wingard? Wing, Adam, Adam Wingard, yeah. The one yeah. with uh, him out of Downton Abbey in. Yes. Uh, what's his name? Yes. Um, uh, yeah. That's a good film, is it? It is very good. And that Berlin track is on the soundtrack. And the soundtrack is excellent, by the way, so... Go and check that out when you get to Yeah, moment. he does do good soundtracks with something. It was a good, a good soundtrack to uh, your next as well. Yes, yes, it is. That was good. Okay, but rounding out the week, we spoke about this as well. It came we in did. at number 100 in our last episode, I think, in our last month, and then climbed all the way to the top, boosted by epic hair and mad guitar solos and the craziness that was the final countdown. It is a really crazy song. It is. Now, here's the thing, right? The mm-hmm. final countdown, the guitarist was actually, the guitarist in the band at that time hated final countdown because if and i never really realized before if you listen to it the guitar is really low in the mix and the synths and everything were a lot higher in that mix and that yeah, annoyed yeah. him that much he left the band in 1987 <laughs> god what a fool yeah couldn't think of all the royalties he could have had well he might have still got him because he's still probably on the writing credits i guess but yeah just mad yeah it is 
but I, that's a crazy guitar solo in that song. Yes, it goes doodly diddly doodly diddly, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's a real, it's a weird, real whittler. It is. But so that was it. That's your number one singles. Take my breath away and the final countdown. What are our number one albums? Well, we had every breath you take. The singles from the police for the first couple of weeks. Yeah, big compilation of theirs, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of. I would imagine it's an amazing album. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it's... there's there's probably enough amazing police songs to fill a compilation. Oh, like space me. There's message in a bottle. Can't stand losing you. Roxanne. You know, do 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 da yeah, da da yeah um, all of those um, every every breath you take yeah it's just genuinely the police are a really good band and exceptional musicians as well so it's probably yeah, I might were, track that down yeah. actually because I I, find, I might I'll just ask Siri these days you don't need to go and track things down you've got a, an assistant that just all that for me Siri go do no actually do it now do no it. don't don't say it now she will do it oh god it's got it's actually gone and done it Mad. <laughs> anyway uh, yeah so <laughs> save that me, for later <laughs> what, what's that what's that Graham you want me to call the police <laughs> oh, <laughs> call it calling no. them now <laughs> no is something wrong are you being forced are you being coerced Graham Tell, say say your safe word now say I don't have a safe word word calling the police <laughs> it'd be weird if it actually rang sting though and not the actual police Sting's like, who are you and why are you wrong my number you stupid weirdo get off the phone are you a, are you really a good digger Stuart? that's what Stuart? that's what i'd ask him <laughs> stop messing about Stuart. in the simpsons he's a dig good digger isn't he yeah that's right yeah <laughs> stop it, Marge, he's a really good digger <laughs> we're sending the boy down the wheel <laughs> All the way down. <laughs> so he rips his shirt off and just starts digging, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, not, he's not in there. He's a lot better in that Mark. than he is in the uh, the Dune film. Not the new one, of course, but the original one. Yes. Yes, he is. He's not, he wasn't an actor, was he, Sting? Um, no. No, he was not. Yeah, he was in Thingies. What was he in Quadrophenia as well? Yes. He's actually good in that, though. He doesn't say much. That's probably why he's good, then. They don't give him a lot of lines in Dune. But then yeah. again, it's a bit of a mysterious film anyway, isn't it? But No, I uh, I do like The Police, so uh, I think I'll track that down. Yeah, we'll do. What else? Yeah, okay, so for the last, no, the middle two weeks, because there was five five Mondays in this November. So in the middle two weeks, we had Hits 5 Ooh. by various artists. So we had the start of the Christmas rush, I'm guessing. Yeah, I was going to say, it's the beginning of the Christmas sort of zone, isn't it? It really is. I mean, it's quite a decent, and also as well, if uh, looking at the wiki, don't buy the CD of this, because it's way short. There's only 16 tracks on the CD. CD. Why? I wonder. Um, but there is 30. Why? Because that's all they could fit on. Yeah. Um, but the album's a double album with 32 tracks on. Well, that's the way to buy it then. I would have been. It is, yeah. Not that you've got 32 better songs, you know, the 16 <laughs> greater songs. You've probably got 16 good songs and then 16 filling up the other other, other space. But you do have stuff like Aha, Been Losing You, Paul Young's Wonderland, okay. Bruce Horns <laughs> Being the Range, Nick Kamen, Paul Simon, You Can Call Me Al, uh, Thorn in My Side, Eurythmics. Yeah, some good ones in here. There's some good there ones is. in there. But then people weren't happy with that because by the time we got to the end of November, they were all buying Now That's What I Call Music 8. Which features exactly the same <laughs> songs in a different order. Probably. Do you know? More than likely. These stats, these stat, I was thinking about something that this reminds me of. These these albums, the way they come out in the 80s, these hits and Now That's Broken Music. And do you know if you go down, if you've ever been on holiday... And you go down the sort of the, the, I say the seafront, but you go down and there's all those sort of tacky sort of shops that sell just cheap and nasty rubbish. You know, the sort of, you know, the sort of thing, tea towels, fridge magnets. There's hundreds of them. Right, if you, yeah, if you yeah. go to Greece or, Sp- or Spain or anyone holiday, there's loads of shops that sell all that kind of tat, you know, fans, mm-hmm. snow globes, all that kind of thing. And then if you walk down the street, there's another shop that sells exactly the same thing. They're just in a different order on the shelves. This is the exact same logic that was applied to these albums. It's, I, I even call those shops everything that guy down there sells, but with three shops down to the left. 
because that's exactly all those <laughs> what those shops are. And these remind me of that. So Hits 5 has probably got more or less similar, probably some of the same tracks, but not all, but there'll be a few, again, just I just thought it was a weird anomaly, and they they are very popular. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I've, I've even bought some myself in my time. So everybody has. Yeah, I think everybody's got one somewhere, haven't they? Everybody from who is of that era, yeah. who was available, you know, a, a, ability to buy some album, probably bought a now or a hit. So especially for someone, it was like a good something. Christmas present, wasn't it? It's like if you don't show what to get your sister or your brother, it's probably a safe bet they're going to like one of those thirty-two tracks off there. There you go, got that yeah. album you wanted. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, what? The new Sisters of Mercy album. Do you know, I remember getting, um, whenever I bought anyone one of those albums for Christmas, then I used to go into Wil- Woolworths to buy them always. Going to Woolworths, buy, now it's, now that's what I call Music 8. Nip across, buy five pack of TDK C90s, because I knew for a while I'd be, I'd be <laughs> taping that damn thing, so. <laughs> oh, TDK C90s. Yeah, but I, I did, you know, if you were feeling a bit posh that day, you'd maybe get the metal ones or the chromium ones or whatever. Oh, check no. you out. You tell you were from the Wybers. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Always with the metal. So I could press the mysterious button on the front of the uh, recording system we had <laughs> yeah. that said metal. And again, what does it do? Does it make does it make a difference? It must. Yeah, it just make it just makes them sound like magnum. <laughs> Anything you put in it, just gets the magnum touch. I just like the idea of any hi-fi equipment having a metal button. It's like, wow, just make it, make it metal. At the start of every, at the start of every song, it goes dun 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 dun. The magnum touch. Yeah. So yeah, hits, hits, and now hits. Now they were end of they were other number ones along with the police best of. So people are buying compilations. Yes, it's the Christmas silly season. They are indeed. So what did we get in singles? New releases of note in the singles period we've got at number 40 on the 2nd of november uh, experiment four by kate bush yes i put here it was released to launch her best of album the whole story yeah uh, which also came out during this period i i have no recollection of this song because um, it's totally I, forgettable in every way is it yeah Feet, nigel kennedy on violin yeah Woo. exactly you know famous violin virtuoso but you would it wouldn't matter on experiment four because I don't think you should call a song experiment anything because it just makes you think it's not finished, which it clearly, it clearly isn't. <laughs> which it probably wasn't. No. But the, Nigel Kennedy was like, he was like big for a small period of time. It's like... He was. Um, Rightfully so. He's a guy's a genius. Oh, don't get me wrong. He's a very good violinist. I'm not, you know, but he was, he wasn't really sort of popular for his violin. He was like a punk violinist, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was this sort of punk, yeah. punk West Ham supporting violinist who did Vivaldi's The Four Seasons. Yes, he did and that. And literally that, that was all anyone knew of him and that's all I've ever known from him and that's it. And then he disappeared. It's like uh, America's love affair with Australia, which they thought was going to continue. Yeah. Yeah. And so th- that's, there's, yeah, yeah, Nigel Kennedy's kind of appeared sort of for a while and was kind of on everything going, oh, I'm Nigel Kennedy, and then disappeared. <laughs> Good impersonation, that, too. <laughs> well, he, uh, he, was more of a, he was more of a cockney, wasn't he? Hey, I'm Nigel Kennedy. If you were, do actually wonder what happens to Nigel Kennedy, he retired to live in a giant violin just off the coast of <laughs> Costa Rica, um, but he got trapped by the strings, and so he's still in there now just trying to pluck his way out. Pluck up the courage. <laughs> did he? Did he move to Isla Nublar? <laughs> and a giant, a giant violin raptor. Yes, he's, he looks, yes. Welcome to Violin Park. <laughs> na, 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 na. <laughs> played on, played violins, on his violin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> na, 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 na. <laughs> it's a giant cello. <laughs> They've actually made it. <laughs> God, orchestra, just orchestral animals walking around. <laughs> that would be amazing. Yes, so that's that's what happened to him. <laughs> <laughs> he 
it became a recluse and worked with frog DNA to create frog orchestral instrument hybrids. That's horrific beyond it. That's uh, to sound like a weird sort of um, version of the film Alien. That's what he did. Sorry, David Ma- Michael, went off Ma- up there. Michael Crichton has already written it. It's okay. He's yes, already written he's, that book. Well, he's got, he's got the frog violins in his house. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> 40, number 46. Yeah, bleak and indeed. It's when the Wind Blows by David Bowie. Mm. Indeed, this is based... I thought this was the um, the theme tune or the main track from the film. It is. Uh, when the when the Wind Blows, which is quite frankly, as you've noted, bleak and it's one of the most depressing yes. pieces of animation, you know, never to come out of Russia. Yep. You, what's, what, what's When the Wind Blows, Graham? Tell us what When the Wind Blows is. You tell us because you could probably... It's a better than I can. It's a it's an elderly English couple animation made by I think it's the same guy that made the um, Snowman. Snow isn't it? The, the snowman, snowman. Yeah, so it's the same guy. I can't remember his name. It'll come back to me. But yeah, same same animator. And it's about an elderly couple trying to survive a nuclear war, a nuclear the fallout after a nuclear attack, and yeah. the and the subsequent nuclear winter, and basically slowly over a period of seventy five to eighty minutes, dying of various <sighs> cancers and and thing tumors and things. All set yeah. to the happy soundtrack of Roger Waters. So get your ra- get your razor blades out there, and then Dave Bowie did the lead song. So you know, order yourself a noose as well while you're at it. Yeah, I just remember them like because it's also the voice. It's voiced by it's John Mills and Thora Heard, I think in it something like that. Yeah, I think it's it's, quite, it's, it's quite a famous thing. So, so it's these love beloved, yeah, yeah, British actors who are suddenly sort of voicing these old people that you're just watching just <laughs> you know fall to pieces with blotches and and they you know they believe that if they put their doors up against the wall and crouch under them with uh with some blankets around them that'll keep out the radiation <laughs> I seem to remember that in it and you know they're, they're more and more just trying to carry on by making cups of tea and stuff that's and, right yes oh dear mate my, my tooth of teeth have fallen yeah, into my exactly. tea <laughs> don't worry love it's uh, john don't, mills and don't peggy worry, ashcroft love. with the Peggy Ashcroft, sorry, and it's sorry, based on the Raymond Briggs book. Yeah, and it is genuinely one of the most depressing things I have ever watched in my life. And I've been on safari. Apparently, so... Raymond Briggs based the two characters that of his own parents. I think he was trying to tell them something. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that yeah. makes it worse. Chirpy, very chirpy. <laughs> yeah, the soundtrack also features for that, by the way, Roger Waters' Genesis Squeeze. Paul Hardcastle. God knows where wow. he features on it. <laughs> I remember watching <laughs> it when it was on TV when it was finally on, and just it totally bleaked me out. I know, yeah. I, 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 that's why I say it's one of those films that if you want a, a good old bleak end, get that, break out that with a couple of others, watch a you know, Threads rerun or something, and you're just going to sort of cry yourself into your cup of tea at night going, the end of the world's awful. Yeah. Yeah. Top, top it off with the uh, the French version of Martyrs. Yeah, and then watch Up. Just If you want to watch film with... <laughs> yeah, turn it off after 10 minutes. Yeah, just watch the first 10 minutes of Up and then watch Where the Wind Blows and then, yeah, Martyrs, top it off with Martyrs, a couple, couple of others maybe just for for those bleak mm. end chills. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Jesus. That is proper bleak end, <laughs> isn't it? Happy, happy times. Happy yeah. times. Have a laugh with um, Raymond Briggs. God, imagine inviting him around for Christmas. Should we, should we read The Snowman? <laughs> no, let's read this one to his mum and dad. I'll read you this one I've written about you. This is where you both die horribly <laughs> from, an, from radiation poisoning. Oh, don't, don't, oh. Think, don't think I want to hear that uh, today, <laughs> Raymond. Could you open your other presents? <laughs> read us one of your happy stories about the snowman who melts. Look, I've got you a computer game, Raymond. It's Wing Commander. You like that? <laughs> Careful on those stairs down. (laughs) (laughs) That's why he wrote him into that book, slowly dying of of tumours and awfulness. Every every um, every affliction that is a is a, a Sunday best game that he received. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Just let, letting it out. Well, you've got to tell me. He went. He's went from a nice childhood book like The Snowman to 
murdering his parents from a nuclear attack in when the wind blows. Something happened in between. <laughs> he, he, he had serious Al Jorgensen. <laughs> Something happened in between, and it could easily have been a few too many Sunday best games. So be careful out there. Be careful out I there. I can say. Yes. Uh, number 52, we have two people. That's by, uh... not one I'd heard um, to have that <laughs> no, Tina Turner that. But, it, but it's got the it's got the multiple syllab- you know, syllables, two people. Of course, yeah. Two people. <laughs> so it's Tina Turner uh, doing two people. No, that sounds horrible. <laughs> <laughs> she, she might have, but we don't know for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, anyway, number 53 is Rock the Nations. Oh, dear. By Saxon. <laughs> I love including the Saxon releases because they're so, they're so shit. The eighth studio album. And, about, oh, and, and actually probably the equivalent of the, of the number of bassists they went through because they went through a lot of bassists <laughs> in Saxon. I think every album's got a different bassist done. Well, I don't know what to say about Saxon. I don't, it's not a lot you can whatever. say. I think they're still going. You can go and see them now at Brighton Pier, I think. Hey, I'm off. <laughs> 9th of November, uh, Ghost Dancing by everyone's favourite uh, German cough suite, Smippelmans. <laughs> totally forgettable <laughs> ghost dancing. <laughs> yeah. Did you remember this one? No, never, because I only ever no, remember one no. or two Simple Mind songs. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, number 56, Great New Order track, Bizarre Love Triangle. This is a good track, that one, actually. That is a very, very good song, that is. And I really do like that song. So that was in at number 56. Number 65, I'm Not Perfect, But I'm Perfect For You. Uh, by Grace Jones. Ah, Grace Jones. Now, you've noticed something down here, but I wanted to actually just recall something that uh, something that we didn't actually bring up at the time, which was um, when we talked about View to a Kill. Mm. Okay, Grace Jones is obviously in that. Mayday. Um, as, as Mayday, yes. And there's a scene in that where she has to uh, seduce James Bond, isn't there? There is. And in that scene, if I'm not, if I'm remembering correctly... There's a there's a sort of almost a sort of pastiche bit where you know James Bond lures her into the bed and then when he starts kissing her looks over his shoulder looks over his shoulder doesn't he he's just going oh the things I do for England that's right yeah yeah and it's awful because you're a, you're a, you're dust yeah I feel sorry for Grace Jones <laughs> yeah, at that point Grace Jones is a, is a beautiful beautiful woman yeah, striking you know incredibly striking this I think she was a model and stuff wasn't oh, she oh totally yeah right, and, and so and here she is having to get into bed with essentially this man held together by powder oh, can you and a brown it? jacket. And he's rolling his eyes and we're supposed to empathise oh, with him. Don't. The notion that, you know, this sort of, I found it really weird. And it just occurred to me when I sort of scored Grace Jones and we didn't sort of bring that up at the time. And I thought, I just, you know, I've just got to rectify the record on that because that's an awful, awful thing in that I know. film. She suffered just makes for hate us all, it even more. She took one for the team on that one, that's for sure. I mean, goodness yeah. me. She must have got out of that scene and just be covered in like a duster. What is this? It's like a fine powder. <laughs> it's like, like she'd been talked. Like why? Why? Why is it, what is this? And it's like that moment yeah. in, uh, in that 2005 version of War of the Worlds when they're all getting zapped and just covered in dust. That's uh, yeah, exactly how it would have been. For him. It would have been. Yeah. She would have had like a sort of you know a sort of oh, dust God. marks around her lips. Exactly. And it, it'd be, it'd be as he was touching it, she'd have been like, oh God! It's if you've got a heartbeat because <laughs> your hands are as cold as ice. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not willing to sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to bring that up um, just for my own personal like, ah, oh, God, that's horrible. That it is horrible. Horrible. It's horrible. Um, so from our album Inside Story produced by Niall Rogers. Of course. Yes. And he's the other one that produces albums around this time, by the way. I mean, yeah, he does, yeah. And obviously Andy Warhol was bored again, so he made an appearance. Yes, one of his last uh, appearances is he died a few months after that. Well, he would do. He did, yeah. He, he got trapped um, in a tin. Are you sure, are you sure on this? Am, I, am, I, am I allowed to say he's dead? No, he's definitely dead and he died not he's long after dead, that. Yeah. But he didn't drown in a tin of soup. That would have been the ultimate irony. Four soups. She did actually direct that video for that uh, song herself. She's actually famous for doing a lot of stuff herself. This this actually yeah. uh, this album, the second album, isn't as good as the first album. Um, a lot of her early tracks were produced by Trevor Horn, of course. So 
that's why Slave to the Rhythm and stuff is such a good track. Yeah. But this album it's is good. actually, I quite like Grace Jones. She's got a lot of time for that kind of Sophisto stuff she come out with. And she did have a lot of input into the creative direction of the stuff she, she was involved with. So hats off to you, Grace. I mean, I'm sorry that you were menaced by a pensioner on our <laughs> behalf, but you know. Yeah. Well done, Grace. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> well done. <laughs> yes, there it is. There it is. <laughs> Things I do for this country. Oh, it's horrible. It's horrible. <laughs> Dust. Just the idea. He must have got a bit too excited in there. And he would have had a little fun-sized Mars bar going on money down there. And she'd have been like, hey, get off me, Roger. I'm getting. I'm out of this scene. If you if that thing comes near me, then let it go it'd off. Like, it would be like a Hoover bag. <laughs> <laughs> like a Henry Hoover. To switch, a really, yeah. really low-powered one. Like, uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, and then it just goes. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, Grace. I appear to have come in my trousers. <laughs> I'm sorry. I appear to have dusted you. <laughs> it's like a crop dusting. Don't worry. It'll wash off in two weeks. <laughs> so, yeah, and we'll barely leave a stain. My penis has been shaken, not stirred. Uh, anyway, move swiftly anyway. on. <laughs> that took a dark turn. Well... Yeah, poor old Henry Hoover. We've got a Henry Hoover. I'm never going to look at it the same again. <laughs> same. Same. We've got one as I'm well. Not, I'm not handling that bag. No. No. 16th of November. Uh, no, no, number 24 was Warriors of the Wasteland oh, by Frankie God. Goes to Hollywood. Horrible, horrible song. Yeah, it's rubbish, isn't it? Awful. 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 Number 28. A much better song, though, was Land of Confusion by Genesis. Yeah, it's a bit uh, of a classic. Possibly my, though, possibly my favourite um, Genesis song. It's got actually. a very a really, catchy really chorus for Land of Confusion. Yeah, yeah, it has. It's got, it's got a really great riff as well throughout it. Yeah, it's, it's, good, it's good heavy track. Hugh Padgham. Really good... <laughs> Hugh Padgham? Hugh Padgham? I'll call him. <laughs> Hugh Padgham's involved. <laughs> I'll call him. That guy gates anything he comes near. It's like, you go to your house and you just find his gates all over your house. Like, what have you been doing? I've gated your house. I gate everything. <laughs> Um, but there's a really good uh if you want a cover of this there's a really good cover of this by uh disturbed okay um which is a lot heavier obviously because it's by disturbed you yeah. know down with the sickness wah, wah, yeah. wah. but they did a really really good cover of this which is worth your time listening to do you know i liked disturbed and i liked down with the sickness until i heard the weird al yankovic version of polka that song <laughs> and it's ruined it forever for me <laughs> well weird al yankovic will ruin most songs <laughs> <laughs> he just I was like, oh, ruined that yeah. he ruined that and a number of others with these stupid polkas yeah absolutely but yeah <laughs> that was a yeah it's a good cover of that so and also that's the one with the spitting image video isn't it it is so, yes it is yeah very good um, so we like that and Number 49 was Because of You by Dex's Midnight Runners. And I, as I have noted here, why were these still around at this point? What's going on? It's a good question. It is a good question. <laughs> I like your answer. It's past midnight and they were not running. <laughs> <laughs> but they got come on Eileen. That's just all yeah. kinds of nasty. I, 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 I didn't want to say that bit. <laughs> it's, it's a legitimate title of their song. Or was it something they did and they made up a song about it? We don't know. We don't want to know. The song, the lyrics for that are very disturbing, actually. I'm not going to go into it now, but they really are. So check yeah, them out. Check absolutely. them out at your own peril. I never liked Dexy's yeah. Midnight Runners. I still don't. I don't. They were like uh, proto-levelers. Apparently Dexy was kind of a... They are a bit proto-levelers. Dexy himself, the guy, whatever his real name was, not Dexy, I imagine. Maybe his name's Dexy Midnight. <laughs> no, no, no. His first name was Sexy. All oh, right, well, Mr. Sexy Mid Dexy. Mr. Midnight Dexy, whatever the hell his name was. Apparently, he's a bit of a control freak with the band. He was like totally in control of the look and the sort of marketing and everything of that band. Oh, could you imagine being in that band that he went, right, so we're all wearing... He did. We're dungarees. all wearing stupid yes. dungarees. That's exactly what he did do. Oh, man, I'd be leaving that band faster than anything. Yeah, he faster basically than, shaved faster, them. Faster than dust out of Roger Moore, I'd be out that band. If you look at some of the early Dex's Midnight Runners stuff that came out, and then you look at Come On Eileen and, and Jockey Wilson's Dead, wasn't it? the famous Top of the Pops cock-up. 
But if you look at the look at those, um, oh yeah, <laughs> where they've got the you know, the dungarees and the foot stomp dance that they've they perfected actually before Erasure took over it, and then Frankie goes goes to Hollywood, kind of added a sheen to it. But the single foot stomp dance that they, did, they all do that's that look was completely contrived and totally and utterly for kind of that top of the pops appearance, that video that they did famously, and and I just you know all chanty chanty hairy armpits, wasn't it at the time? Come on, Eileen, all yeah. that. Never really uh, a fan. So. No, I wasn't. A novelty song as far as I was concerned. Yeah. Number 76 was Hip to be Square by Huey Lewis and the News. Huey Lewis and the News. No, I was in a band briefly where we covered, tried to cover this and we had a singer try out for the band who couldn't sing it properly. So he just sang, kind of sang it in that kind of pub voice. It was Hip to he, yeah. He couldn't, for some reason, it was like, if you imagine mixing a pub singer with a guy that sings for Metallica, it was like that. It was really weird. <laughs> he just went, it's Hip to he, yeah. We're like, oh, right, okay, that's enough of you then. <laughs> nice guy, just didn't, did have, you do, didn't have the right sound. Did you do the speech on Miami Dice? <laughs> it was me. No, well, no forgettable Huey Lewis stuff, forgettable, really. Interesting, but It is. I don't mind him to be square. It's, all it's right. okay. It's all right. It's all right, it's, but it's it right. is forget. It's just bland, bland pop in it, bland American, yeah, bland American bland pop. American pop, and that's where it lives in that Americo pop for me a little bit. You know, There was a few yeah. stuff like that that came around that was not quite my thing. Mm-hmm. 23rd November, number 26, So Cold the Night by the Communards. No idea. Never no, can't remember that at all. wasn't one that helped cross my radar. No, neither did, did this one as well, The Miracle of Love by the Eurythmics. No, I could not place that. When I listened back to it, I was like, oh, right. Oh, okay, they released that. But it completely yeah. missed me. I don't know whether I was... Uh, asleep for a long period of time was i hibernating at this particular period of that year i don't know what happened well they had a best of out this month as well so i believe it's probably it's probably like experiment four it's just a it's a track they've done for the best of yeah totally not lee number 46 is this love alison is this love do 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 yeah that one yeah that's what i I was hoping it was yeah. First album I, is I, exceptionally good. I I can I can give or take. I don't never. Oh, I really like Alison Moye stuff. Yeah. I really I like her voice particularly. Not so much how it is now, but her voice then. I think it's just I think it's really good. It's just got such a oh, nice tonality yes. to it. Yes, yes. Um, but I never I never found her particularly interesting. I no, say, but this me, I think when she was um, before she was Alison Moye, of course it was Yazoo, and in yeah, Yazoo yeah, yeah. she had Vince Clark. <laughs> <laughs> Not Vince Neil. <laughs> Not Vince Neil. Vince Clark. And of course, so that album that they produced together as Yazoo is, is exceptional. I, think it, I can't remember what it's called now. It's just literally slipped out of my mind as I said that. This one was produced by Dave Stewart under a pseudonym of Jean Guillaume or Guo. I don't know why he's doing that under a pseudonym. Why not just do it to Dave Stewart? I'm guessing contractual weirdness, to, which probably. is probably the third album that never got released. But um, <laughs> there you go. Rain Dancing. Rain Dancing was the second <laughs> album from Ms. Moyer. Well, anyway, number 98. Is this when it was first released? Real Wild Child, Wild One by Iggy Pop. Is this uh, the first release of believe, this? I thought I this was much older. I for some I've reason, I thought the feeling way it older. was, but I only ever remember it from the what Home Alone movies. I think it's in one of those. I think somewhere. It's it's, it's, well, it's a track. It's been in loads. Of, it's been in track. It's been in loads of stuff, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, real wild from, child, yeah, yeah. I'm a wild one. Um, but I just had a feeling that this was older than 1986. Well, that's I don't know Iggy why. Pop but in general, maybe it wasn't. though. Whenever you look at Iggy Pop, he's, you always think he's older than he is. He's actually not. <laughs> not you know, yeah, I do. Yeah, he's, he's, he's following the Roger Moore. Uh, trajectory isn't he he's had such a you know i mean all, think of all the jobs he's had he's been the traveler he's been chairman of the board you know he's, he was a real wild child he's been around that guy been around <laughs> he really has <laughs> but at this point yes he was a real wild child and i just thought it was oldest anyway but that was number 98 so that would probably go higher or maybe it wouldn't and just sort of gain a, a sort of 
credence as it got used in and stuff. And thank maybe. God we never released our Man Outside song when we did, because we might have been hit by a copyright infringement suit for ripping off the Traveller blatantly. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> those, those chords were very different. <laughs> they had the A, we had the big A. <laughs> we did play we, they had, in a slightly different rhythmic sequence, I think it's fair yes, to say. Yes, exactly. Yeah. No. Nothing wrong with that. 30th of November at number 23 was The Caravan of Love by the yeah. House Martins. So that actually is, it becomes a controversial song in December. So I suspect no. we'll probably end up talking about that more in the in the preceding episodes of the podcast. But uh, just to uh, put a little trailer in there, it's uh, it gets held off the Christmas number one by a very interesting song, Oof. famously. Mm. In fact, actually, some people argue that it was deliberately held off the number one slot for, for reasons of religious significance. But we'll talk about that later down the line. We shall, yes. Because at number 28 was Cry Wolf by Aha. Yep, another uh, good Aha track. They never they were always a solid band. They're just, just kind of... I think they peaked really early, didn't they? And then, not that they peaked in terms of how good the music was, because they've always been pretty good musically. They kind of they peaked, pop, pop they peaked. Pop peaked, and then they didn't really want to be a pop band anyway. And so I think everything after that is kind of, oh, it feels like a bit like an afterthought. But if you think that Aha are just take on me and such, then, you know, you really haven't heard the best of Aha, in my opinion. No, you have not. You should go listen to that. Cry Wolf is, yeah, it's a good track. Cry Wolf. That one. Um, number seventy-one was Santa Claus is on the doll and the first by the and the first atheist tabernacle choir by Spitting Image. Yeah, so it's just another Spitting Image hate fest. Yeah, so this is just and obviously their Christmas song because yeah. this is what's going on now. People releasing stuff yeah. for Christmas. Number eighty-one was the Boy in the Bubble by Paul Simon. It's off the album, isn't it? I think. Um, yeah, and it's the one of the tracks that I really remember. The Boy yeah. in the Bubble is that in it? So that's quite a good track, actually. I quite like that. It is. Um, that's your singles. So what we got in the albums? Second of November, uh, straight in at number one. We've already mentioned this. Every breath you take, the singles by Police. We have mentioned um, in, it. At no, in, uh, in at number three was Now Dance '86. I don't imagine there being a lot of good dance tracks around in '86. So I'm guessing it's. At the end of the synth wave, beginning of the cusp of perhaps some drum and drummy dance stuff, but I don't know. I didn't think it really came. I didn't think it really came about dance as, as such with house and stuff till really about eighty seven, eighty eight. But maybe I'm wrong. No, I, I have no idea what's on it. But yeah, because you know, dance music as we kind of know it didn't really. Um... Well, house house music didn't hit the charts in the UK till eighty seven, eighty eight. Not really. No. What? Well, if you want to know what was on now, dance eighty six. Let's have a look. There's Ballroom twenty Blitz. smash dance hits of the year. We have. Chain Reaction by Diana Ross. Okay. We Don't Have to Take Our Clothes Off by Jermaine Stewart. Uh, <laughs> don't Leave Me This Way um, by Coming Out. Can't Wait Another Minute, Five Star. Midas uh, Touch, Midnight Star. Ain't Nothing Going On But The Rent, Gwen Guthrie. Love Can't Turn Around, Farley, Jackmaster Funk. Rumours, Timex Social Club. All In All, Joyce Sims. Uh, mine All Mine by Cashflow. Who's Zooming Who by Aretha Franklin. Right. Heaven Must Be Missing an Angel by Tavares. Don't what? Waste My Time by Paul Hardcastle. Oh, good track. Breaking Away, Jackie Graham. Pull Up the mm. Bumper by Grace Jones. So Macho by Sunita. Hit the Perfect Beat, Bronchi <laughs> Beat. Hol- <laughs> Holiday Rap. MC Micah G and DJ oh, Sven. Classic. <laughs> I Can Prove It, Phil Fearon, and I Want to Wake Up With You by Boris Gardner. Yeah. Yeah. The very antithesis <laughs> of a dance track. Yeah, I'm not sure what kind of dance. I think... Their interpretation dance, is... Dance it, had a, I think dance had a different exactly, meaning yeah, back it, then. But yeah, it meant variations of the form of dance as opposed to a dance tec- 
techno track. Tra- uh, yeah, what dance Interesting. became. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Weird. I didn't. There you know. go. So that was what was considered dance back then in 1986. I'm glad I never bought that, and I'm yeah. amazed that got to okay, went in at number three. I think it was just you know it was a new now album, so yeah, people bought it and they exactly. realised what the hell have Christmas I bought? Christmaspresents.com. Yeah, because number 35 was the greatest hits of 1986. <laughs> Christmaspresents.com. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, obviously, this was also another uh, Christmas present. And number 53 was Inside the Electric Circus from Wasp. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody wasp. <laughs> yeah. Was this the first... Was this, oh, hang on a minute. The first album... This album's the band's first to feature Blackie Lawless. Was he not in No, wasp no, it's the, the first album to feature Blackie Lawless playing guitar. He played, oh, right. he played bass. So before that, somebody ah. always played bass. And then in, for this album, um, and then forever after, he played guitar, which was a surprise to everyone, including Blackie Lawless, because I don't think he even knew how to play it, but clearly he does. <laughs> well, maybe. So, and he's a really big guy as well. He's a really strange, you know, big personality. Odd band yes. wasp, really odd. Yeah, they were unpleasant. I didn't like them. No, it wasn't my cup of tea. 9th of November, we have Leather Jackets from Elton John. Totally forgettable Elton John album. Well, he just releases an album every week, doesn't he? Yeah. He's got more songs than anybody. In fact, we found that one under his sofa. He's like, oh, I didn't even know I'd made that. Better <laughs> release that one. <laughs> it's just a, an album about jacket. <laughs> but it every is as song. well. Every song is about a different coat he owns, um, all, the, all the leather ones. He wrote a song about Grimsby, and it's actually, the lyrics are nothing to do with Grimsby whatsoever, and includes no. mentioning mentioning pubs that never existed in Grimsby. The man's a confused wreck, and uh, these albums <laughs> are a reflection jacket. of that. And he's an album about leather jackets. The first track will be called, you know, I Don't Wear Pleather. It's all leather, in brackets. <laughs> Look at my tassels. <laughs> Is the second track. Yeah. <laughs> Biker Jacket A Go Go is the third one. Jacket Potatoes in brackets aren't made of leather. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, yeah, Elton John, Leather Jackets. He also wrote a song about uh, Market Raisin. Did he? Yeah. Um, Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting. Is that about Market Raisin, is it? It's about Market Raisin. As far as I'm aware, it is, yes. Well, he's got a song called I can, I can Leather Jackets and brackets abandoned Market Raisin. So that <laughs> That's the fifth track on the album. <laughs> <laughs> Never wear a leather jacket in Middle Raisin. That's the other one. <laughs> actually, that's just good advice. Don't do that. <laughs> that's true, actually. Don't like it. <laughs> no, they'll, they'll have that off your back quicker than uh, <laughs> Roger, Roger Moore can shed dust. <laughs> Number 58, Electric Cafe by Kraftwerk. Yes. The ninth studio album. Ninth. Um, Number nine. <laughs> well, it was all one album. They just split it up over a series of for a series of years. It took it took five years to make Electric Cafe. It was five years in production because oh. of various things, including I think at least two of the members having bicycle accidents. So it's <laughs> the, true, the true most fact. dangerous kind of accident. I know. Was it? Did they go into cars or was it just with other bicycles? I don't know. I think they just had bicycle cycle accidents. Or were they yeah. were they walking? And got hit by a bicycle. Well, they were just cycling non-stop, and that's what happens when you do that. <laughs> um, so this is the. Uh, this is actually. A, it's a particularly. We are the cyclists. <laughs> do yeah. So it's a good craftwork album. It's not a great craftwork album. I always were they, preferred. Uh, their, were they, were their they cycling stuff. on the autobahn? That would explain why they had a bad accident. You see, this this is there's the camp of craftwork fans that like the autobahn stuff. They re- actually re-released Electric Cafe with a different title in 2007. I can't remember why, but but Electric Cafe is the you know boing pum bing you know ping boom chat ping, and it's where the sampler and stuff gets heavily involved. And some people are you know you craftwork purists much prefer the computer world stuff from craftwork as more than the Electric Cafe stuff. I have actually got a little bit of time for both as a person that really enjoys experimental electronic music 
you know, as a pastime as as well. I find that it's quite an interesting album, all said and done. It's just it they the complaint of the people in Kraftwerk was they felt that it was actually even after five years was a bit crap. So they didn't really want to make a big deal of it. But it's it turned out to be quite an important album. And of course the video famously featured sort of computer animated heads, you know, when we, you know, at this particular time that early CG and stuff's all very interesting. But you either like someone repeating the words, you know, music non-stop for 10 minutes a lot or you don't no, turns out some no. people don't no know. no no not for me and at number 70 well number 73 was uh scratch and sniff by smith and jones yeah, okay what the hell so this is this is it is it a comedy album is that what it was i don't know because smith and jones were massive at this point weren't they on the back of yeah, not the Mancock news must have been. they were very very big and you had uh, i don't know if uh call it um was in Colin Sandwich at this point. Mel Smith was in that, and obviously yeah. it popped up in that, the tall, tall guy. He was in that. He Something like that. that. Yeah. So there was a, there was a lot of love for More Smith and Jones at this space, point. I think, but I don't. I can't know. Please tell me this isn't a sung a singing album. I don't. I don't. I genuinely don't know. Because they did some songs, didn't they? Because um, they did the classic stuff on um, not the nine o'clock news. Like I like trucking. I like trucking. Um, yeah. Which I, I absolutely adore that song. <laughs> I like trucking and I like to truck. I like to truck. Yes, absolutely brilliant. <laughs> if you don't like trucking, tough luck. <laughs> um, so I've got, but I don't know. I don't know whether this is a comedy album or you know, it's called Scratch and Sniff. So I'm, I don't know. I think it's a, possibly a live comedy album. I think maybe because they also did the unfortunate. That what was the film they made? Morons from Outer Space. Uh, so, yeah, not, uh, not great. That wasn't very good, was no, it? Wasn't no, it? No, it wasn't. Sixteenth of November. Uh, straight in at number one was the Hits Five. Bah. We've spoken about that. Various artists. Straight in at number three was the Whole Story by Kate Bush. Bah, another best of. Yeah, it would be a brilliant best of. I imagine there's like like the poli- like polices. Yeah. You know, there's enough great tracks there to fill the best of. Absolutely. Behind that, number four, coming up uh, straight behind that, live, 1975 to 1985. That's a long gig. Bruce Springsteen <laughs> and the E Street Band. Goodness, that is ten <laughs> ten year gig. Ten years. The, the gig. That, this gig cannot. This gig cannot be stopped. <laughs> Jesus, stop, Bruce. How many songs you got? All of them. That's number actually 14. the number of songs that are on the uh, recording. Is 1,975 <laughs> in the first half, <laughs> <laughs> and then it's ten more. <laughs> can only find 10 more number 14 the tiny hat brigade return with god's own medicine by yeah. the mission there was a uh, single their, their first the album time, so we knew that was something there was they've, well they've had about three singles out at this point before they released uh this uh, great, good album uh, really good album yeah uh, good opener very jangly very jangly yeah, it's jingly jangly that one yeah, very much so number 15 uh on the back of the single we have uh number 50 sorry the final countdown from europe yeah as the, as the single was called, so is the album. Good album. Number 54. Now, I put this in because I wasn't going to mention this, but I'm just thinking, haven't we just spoken about these? Brighter Than a Thousand Suns yeah, by we, Killing we, Joe. Yeah, they had a single I'm out. I'm sure we've just, we've just mentioned that they had another album out the other no, week. No, it, was, 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 it was a single they had out, and it was off this album. So Oh, was it? Yeah. Uh, okay. Anyway, there we go. No, I'm, really, I'm sure we broke mentioned an album because we were talking about their albums. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't. It was this album that they, the single, we knew this was coming uh, okay. out. We mentioned it in that in that context all right okay well anyway that's come out in at number 54 <laughs> at number 86 we had sue by sue pollard and i was thinking it was an album about the students union no 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 it's a uh, heidi high campers i know sue pollard is i was just trying to erase just, it th- this is that notion that you know this people just releasing albums like what is going on yes at what point did, did people all think that putting an album out by sue pollard was that was the right well, thing she, to do she was very popular but not popular enough Funny, i saw her on tv the other day she was on um one of those no, bake-off cookery Master shows, MasterChef, yeah. yeah. MasterChef, yeah, I saw her as well. She she's, got no, out. she's no MasterChef. Yeah, she got booted out, didn't she? Yes, she did. Yeah, she did. At number 90 was Classics by Candlelight. 
Oh, more compilations. <laughs> you can artists. tell Christmas is coming. Bloody Christmas hell. coming up. I, I thought I would think though that playing classics by candlelight is quite hard. Yes. Um, for for the orca- for the orchestra, you know, <laughs> and, and quite dangerous. Why don't they just turn the lights on? Arguably you know? quite dangerous. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what's going on there. Twenty uh, third November, through the barricades by Spandau Ballet. Mm. Uh, the fifth studio track, album. They never stopped playing that through their barricades ever since it was the mo- it was the popular track off that album, and it's their fifth studio album. So yep. not what you'd call a, a bony. Fi- I don't rate Spandau Ballet that much. The odd track, gold and silver and bronze, and the, the follow ups that never were as popular. <laughs> Brass, <laughs> Brass, other metals. Yeah, <laughs> Palladium was uh, Palladium. <laughs> When they went through that rock phase. But, uh, Iridium. No. <laughs> Imodium, that's the song. That's... Lead. <laughs> yeah, I'm in my bed. I'm covered in lead. <laughs> She's got lead. And it connects <laughs> no. all the roof joists. Anyway, um, moving on. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, number 14 was infected by the the. I just wanted to put that because yeah. I want to say I don't like bands with the same name. Same word nope. twice. Number 15 straight behind them was Disco by the Pet Shop Boys. Uh, remix album. First remix that. album. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, number 31. I was going to put this in the singles, but you thought, well, no point. Sort of thing. But she had French Kissing in the USA came out in, in November as well Did. as the single. But the album mm. Rock Bird by Debbie Harry, the second studio album. Yes, it is. I was never, I like, don't mind French Kissing in the USA, but I was never a huge Debbie Harry single, you know, mm, um, nah. solo fan. Loved Blondie. The band yeah. Blondie are amazing. But Debbie Harry's solo stuff just didn't really do anything for me. No, same. And ironically, I don't think it did anything for much people because the, the following week, obviously no. I've not noted it down, but looking the following week, it was down to number 32 and I don't think it did much more. I don't think she did another album after that. I could be wrong, but I don't think she did. Well, not till no, she not. Re- they re- reformed Blondie and did uh, you know, the one recently, which was, let's not even think about that. Uh, best not to. Uh, number 57 was Just Good Friends. That's Paul the Nicholas TV Bas- show, isn't it? It's the TV show, yeah, with Paul, Paul Nicholas and Jan. Uh, Jan, someone or other. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where, where it's the whole, it's essentially that, um, it's the will they, won't they. Yeah, it's a coffee you know, advert the, 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 stretched it, out it, beyond belief. It was that, literally that coffee advert, the Nescafe coffee yeah, advert. Yeah. Like, oh, gold blend? Oh, I thought you never asked. Have you got any sugar? I have. I should never, I, that's why they never hired me to write for that show. <laughs> <laughs> can I borrow some? You can. <laughs> what is it with you and borrowing did you write, sugar? Did you write, <laughs> did you write Hellraiser 2? I did. <laughs> did. <laughs> <laughs> that's my get out of jail free card you do the chinard all bets are off you can get out of any situation by just pull a chinard and then walk backwards out the room and you just wander into the cenobite making machine so, and see, see what you'll see what'll come out the other end well, you're gonna come out as chappy the cenobite i know I just, oh, for god's well, sake there could be others there could be others um <laughs> I don't know what. Or it the could dog food, food variants, or cat food. Could be cat yeah. food or millet. Could be a head, head like shed, head shaped like millet. <laughs> oh no, he's got all budge. He's got all budgy. That's actually giving me more of a Wicker Man vibe. Imagine if the Wicker Man, when they when they drag him up that hill and he's shouting no, and when it presents you with the Wicker Man, it's just made of millet, like a giant bird seed tower being attacked by thousands and thousands of birds. It'd be terrifying actually. It'd be way uh, scarier than. Be. Actually, would it be scary? Absolutely. I don't know. It's a absolutely great, great film. <laughs> I don't know. And it's much better than um, oh, Just Good Friends, the TV show. Absolutely, and probably better than that bloody album. Imagine if Just Good Friends, the TV show, ended that way, where Paul Nicholas invited that woman in for a final drink and then took her into a room <laughs> and trapped her in a wicked tower made of birdseed, and just that was the end of the episode, just watching the tower in flames. I just thought he'd just cover her in trill. <laughs> just pour loads of trill on her. What are you doing? <laughs> Don't know. Trill. <laughs> Have this trill. Do you remember when, um, I won't mention his name, 
But do you remember when a certain drummer that was in our band was looking after his mum and dad's budgie and he fed it Paxo because he didn't have any trill <laughs> and it, di- it died. <laughs> and when they, came back from, when they came back from holiday, it, it was just dead in the bottom of its cage because it just died from the, because it had expanded in it. So he just killed, he killed his mum and dad's budgie with Paxo because he thought it was the same. I'm like, it's not the same. You can't give a budgie Paxo. <laughs> it's built to it's built to stuff birds. <laughs> well, it did. That's what Paxo. Is. That's what Paxo is. You put it in birds. He said. He said. Well, the bloody budgie went wild for it. I'm like, well, it would do. Wouldn't know the difference. But bloody yeah, you murdered it with Paxo. It's a terrible thing. <laughs> terrible thing. And I tell you what, don't let Jeff Capes find out because he'd be, you know, he could set his budgies on you, and he's got. They've got. They've got powers. They've got. Yeah, the giant. Absolutely. They'll be. They're. They're. They're a fight in the giant uh, cellos at Nigel. <laughs> Nigel Kennedy's. Uh, He's trapped uh, in violin. Nigel. Violin Park. Violin Park. Welcome to Violin Park. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> a, a certain ex drummer of ours is a budgie murderer. So there you go. I never knew that. I would have kicked him out of the band. Well, Did he leave anyway? He left anyway. Yeah. Strange enough, oh, it wasn't sorry. the first time he'd killed a budgie with Paxo. As we discovered later, C- serial Paxo budgie killer. Yeah, that was. Uh, but the police brand the worst him, kind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Paxo <laughs> massacre. <laughs> the Grimsby Evening Telegraph. Bird, <laughs> yeah. bird, bird stuff is stuff. It'd just be Paxo <laughs> madness, wouldn't it, on the front page? Of that. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. You monster. <laughs> <laughs> I loved. I loved that budgie. <laughs> And he loved his trill. <laughs> to the end. Number seven <laughs> number seventy was the greatest hits from Bonnie Tyler. Yeah. All two Your of favorite. them. Your favourite. All two of them. <laughs> that's what that's what I was thinking. What you know, it'd be a good one on side one and a good one on side two. Exactly. And the rest of it's just the silent S on that hits. So. <laughs> Put to the beginning. Yeah. It's just, it's just audio recordings uh, of Bonnie Tyler having a dump over eight consecutive days. So it's the great totally the, clips of the pan, <laughs> totally clips of the ass. Yeah, the um, yes, uh, two hits at least on that. I can't think of any others that would float anyone's. Well, boat didn't you say she did one that was uh, the same as the Bon Jovi track? She did. Yeah. If, if I was a something and you were a something, I can't remember what it was called. Yeah, it was famously it was the you gave love a bad name. You gave love a bad name. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. she obviously had another track. 30th of November, so let's just wrap this up. Now that's why I call music number eight. Yeah. It's very artistic. It's rating at number one. No, no, Notorious by Duran Duran in yeah. at number 16. Another two-namer. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Named after a character in Barbarella, by the way, if you ever wondered. And number 22 was August by Eric Clapton, the follow-up to July. I was going to say, he releases an album, but surely it should have been released in August. Yeah, but he's known as slow has gone wrong there. I know, but it's just he's a not, thinking So he took, too, he took too long to record it. It's like, oh, can you hurry up, Eric? Eric, hurry up. We've got to get this out. You can't, you can't hurry, love. <laughs> you just have to wait. And I know it won't come easy. I know, it's just the very idea that he would release an album called August in November is just mathematically obscure and bizarre. Just it If is. you're going to release a month name, do it in the month, surely. But there you go. What does it matter? Some might say it's utter madness. Mm, I'm sensing compilation. Which is at number 29 by Madness. But it's a best of. I, I'm sure it's a Christmas best of, yes. Yeah. And on that utter madness note, that's the end of your music for 1986. It's uh, it's the Christmas season, so it's uh, all things compilations is the way of the world at this point. That and Smith & Jones for some reason. That's it. Uh, we'll be back uh, shortly where we will be looking at our last set of games for this month. So please stay with us. <laughs> Shout out to our sponsor, davidhernwriter.com, where you'll find bargain books, ebooks, and audiobooks. Like Back in Time for a Donut, Tara planned to go back to stop her parents' meeting, therefore ensuring her sister, the Eve of Pandora, would never be born. However, she's overshot, and Pandora is already here as a child. Oops! 
Now what? Dave's podcast pick is World Games. He still plays the weightlifting and cliff diving events, getting in practice before the Olympics come to Brisbane in 2030. Now, if only lifting pint glasses was an event. Hello, welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. We have got some more games for you. Five, in fact, I believe. So let's crack into these quickly with the first one and get Daring Dude up the uh, Doiseau where we go with Dan Dare. Graham, Dan Dare, were you Daring Dan? Yes. Did you dare to be Dan? Tell us Dan Dare. So Dan Dare, full name, Colonel Daniel McGregor Dare, was uh, really one of the first UK sci-fi comics, strips of any real importance. So it's nice British sci-fi Action, fiction, action hero created by Frank Hampson, who was also responsible for many of the stories. Dan Dare appeared in the Eagle comic, which was uh, appeared as Dan Dare, Pilots of the Future from 1950 to 1967. And he also reappeared later, I think, between 1982 and 1994 in a reissue of Eagle. And basically, in each of the episodes, he's battling the Mekon, who is a leader of the deadly treens, an army of treens, of sort of an, an evil green sort of alien enemy, who are always episodically trying to take over the earth with various fiendish schemes, weapons and plans. And Dan Dare exists to thwart them. So this game is a kind of, I suppose you could say that it's a late entry into this idea, but Dan Dare still had sort of a little bit of currency. I'll come back to the sort of a little bit of why that might become a problem for it. But So the long and the short of it was between 1992 1982 and 1994, Eagle was reissued. Dan Dare made a bit of a comeback, and the Eagle comic from then it was really popular. I used to get it in 1982. I loved it. Still, and I really am a huge fan of Dan Dare. So the C64 version of the game is based upon that character and the world of that character. And it's different to the other versions that appeared. So there are variations of this game on different platforms. I think it's different to the Amstrad and the Spectrum one in some key ways. So in the Commodore 64 version, the idea of the game is that you've got to st- you start on the surface of the planet and you've got to work your way through the various caverns and networks of ladders to rescue your friend Digby, who's your kind of sidekick and uh, and the prof- and a professor, and destroy the kind of supercomputers in this sort of that are existing there for the- that are part of the Mekon's evil plan using a giant laser, which you kind of use mirrored sort of floor things to angle a laser beam at them. And so you've got to call it. It's a bit of a wander through flip screen sort of flip screen world collecting picking things up solving little mini puzzles beating up various train guards that appear all done in a nice graphic comic book kind of style so the approach to the graphics was very much in a tradition of the comic book he's a little bit squat of a character and there's not a lot that goes on on the screen i think that's one of the drawbacks of this game is that the graphics are quite nice and quite nicely rendered inside in terms of the game and there is a nice comic book vibe to them but there isn't a lot of characters and things in there you've got this kind of weird little sidekick thing that follows you around i can't remember the name of that thing now which I think you can periodically, you can throw something and it goes and picks things up for you and does stuff. So the idea of this game is you complete all this stuff in a fixed period of time. And that's one of the key frustration points is it's not a lot of time. So the idea is you've got to destroy the Mekon and his evil plan in that time. I think it's about 25 minutes, I think, something like that. And then you've actually, in the context of the game, you've got to beat the Mekon, do all that stuff, and then actually get out as well off to the planet's surface and escape before the 25 minutes is up. So if you can package all that up into a game, it's quite a nice looking graphically. The music's a little bit basic, but it's okay. And the sound effects are a little bit basic, but they're okay. I think a lot of this was given over to the style and the content that they wanted to capture from the Dan Dare thing. And I think some of it, it just about gets away with it in some ways. The fight moves and the way, and some of the character interactions are the weaker link of this game. So the fight doesn't really feel like fighting itself. Dan Dare kind of stomping his foot and punching in the air. It's a bit weird. 
And mm-hmm. so the fighting yeah, yeah. doesn't really yeah. feel like you're connecting and fighting in any way. Not like it does in later games of this kind of type, like Rocket Ranger and things like that, where you get some really good fight sequences. So it's an attempt at something quite different. Now, I really like Dan Dare, so I had an affinity. I bought this back in the day. I really like the Eagle comics and the incarnations, and I, I particularly like Dan Dare. Dan Dare made an appearance, believe it or not, in 2008 at a certain point as well. I think that's what led to the resurgence, actually, in the early 80s. So I wasn't disappointed with the cartoon look of the guy i kind of expected it and it was a kind of a simple flip screen puzzle game really combat with a bit of dull combat and it's a bit quiet and there's a bit not much going on in the in between bit so there's a bit of walking and to and fro and well i've never been shy of expressing that i don't really like games where i'm wandering around doing a lot of that stuff so this is on a revisit kind of that kind of notion which i think belies a little bit of the excitement that dan dare could bring to a game so I think the reason perhaps for that is maybe Dan Dare had lost some of its currency and its audience at this point in 1986. I don't know that it had the same, you know, the same sort of daring do kind of sort of British super dude kind of thing. I don't know that that hero angle was working really well, but it did stick to its guns. I'll give it its due. It stuck to its Dan Dare guns. It kind of had a nice Dan Dare feel and look and feel about it. It felt very comic booky in its own way. And so I suppose the question is, would that appeal? Well, I liked it originally, played it, completed it. On this revisit, I found myself thinking, actually, maybe I was a little bit into... If you're into Dan Day, maybe I was forgi- more forgiving of it back then. I was less forgiving of it now. I found it a little bit dry and a bit a bit empty. But it was still quite an interesting game, quite a good-looking game, all said and done. And it got quite a high score, I think 94%. So it makes mm-hmm. it a yeah. sizzler, I think, which isn't bad. I don't know if I would have given it a sizzler on revisit. But you know what? What do you think? I, I, ironically, and I think this is the weird thing, sort of thing, I'm almost the complete polar opposite. I have no affinity, no history with Dan Deer. I don't really think I might have played this back then, but I don't really remember. It rang no bells whatsoever. So I've got no overriding memory of it. I was never particularly big fan of the comics. Um, I never particularly got into Eagle. I was, well, 2000 AD. So it, all this has, it has no, you know, no history with me. So it has no bearing on me. I, so I came to this thinking 94% looks at the screenshots oh, they look quite nice and they do um and you know visually this is very nice and i actually thought that this was a, a much better flick screen adventure than what we've been presented with um mm, for a number of good. reasons that, that, that a number of reasons that um that were, were the reasons behind this um so if we take the visuals, it does a very, very good job, even from the opening title screen. This is, you know, there's a very, very, some very nice visuals mm. in this. Uh, the backgrounds are really nice. It starts off a little bit drab and dull with just the caves, which belies what comes later. Which yeah, you get some, some very, nice very nice later. stuff. And the the animation, the sprites are nice and big and chunky. I think the little thing you control is called Stripey. Is it yeah, Stripey, that's right. Yeah, in the review. Right. Yeah. Um, although you don't control him, he just sort of goes around going, whatever he does. Yeah, and I yeah. never quite, you know, I, you I can't throw an apple for him and he picks up a torch and things for you at one point. Ah, right. Okay. Well, that, that makes sense. So I really like the graphics i thought they were really good there's nice animation of dan the various trains that roam around you are right the combat is weird it's the, probably the weak point yeah, because you do it just is. it's kind of like some mini sort of boxing game yeah, when it yeah. happens isn't it it's kind of like a sort of cut price barry mcguigan i guess yeah yeah but way to describe that aldi mcguigan you got low punch high punch and that's it and you kind of it's a bit hit and miss whether they really strike or not it's just you know. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of a bit odd. But I really like that. I thought there's some, you know, not the comment, but I, I liked it. One of the things that I did like is probably actually one of the things that you mentioned. I quite like the emptiness. I, you know, I've been moaned being beset by random respawning encounters all the time. I quite like that you could take out the trees and then you could explore at your leisure mm. and try and figure out and you get a bit of time. I know you, but because there's, there's two things which I hate, um, and that's being constantly beset by enemies. I hate that. But if that was, con- this game was constantly besetting you with, by en- with enemies, with that, 30 minute 25 30 minute time limit 
Yeah. It would be insufferable. But because you can take them out, and they're not that hard to kill sort of thing, so you just take them out, it gives you a little bit of time to just explore the environment and figure stuff yeah. out. Because you even dress up as one of the trains at one point, which is quite Yeah, cool. you, you, find, you find an outfit, don't you, and you dress up yeah. behind a thing, and it's like, oh, it's really sweaty inside, which made me laugh or yeah, something. Yeah. So there's a nice little bit of sense of humour in it. And find, you know, you find the branch to open the electrified thing that gets you down into the main area mm-hmm. where there's other, other train stuff going on. And so that, that's quite nice. And, and, and it's not that massive either. I think I didn't get that too far into it, but when I finished, I, I died. I mean, gave a couple of goes. Uh, I've done 19%. So, you know, one fifth of this I completed. So to me, that spoke of a, of a game that was probably, you know, doable. Yeah. And this it sort of put me in mind of games like Iraq and Antiriad. And, and I think the reason for this being quite maybe not that massive is because obviously I think a, the, the backdrops probably ate up a lot of memory because there's a lot of graphic data in there. And so they probably couldn't make the game that massive. And I think that's to its credit. Mm-hmm. Same with like Iraq. Because the graphics in that were really nice. We know Antiriad, when that comes down, has got very mm. nice graphics. And so you can only do so much with that. And I think that's to this game's credit. And it's like, you know, you've only got half an hour limit, so we can't make it that massive. So those stupid games with 2,000 screens and stuff, just boring. This felt like a nice, tightly plotted, tightly sort of woven adventure where you mm. could get going and get through it. And, and I thought it was quite a solid title. And... That, that, you know, it's what we said about Frank Goes to Hollywood, the sort of ability to just be at peace with the world and yeah. see it and just try and figure it out and, and you know, not being bothered all the time. And I, I like that about this. Mm. Um, and it's, like I said, there's no no history. So this is the first time I'm really coming at this game. And and, and I, th- I thought it was good. Um, it looked nice. The music's really nice. I know the Gang of Five have done other stuff. They did, uh, so- I think they did Sorcery or something. And, and I think mm. they actually, they might have made, someone said, did they do Shogun? I'm not sure if they did. Shogun's very influenced by Sorcery. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Someone, someone mentioned that to us. Yeah, so it's quite possible. I don't know if they did that, but this this is a game that I I really sort of took to in a way that I wasn't really expecting to because I like I said I had no affinity or connection with the comics, but I thought it was pretty good. There's some you know it's not perfect. Ninety four percent is high, but I think in the grand scheme of things, this is better than a rack. Yeah, and so. If you gain a score a rack in the night, is this would yeah. be up there as well? I think in the yeah. in in where this stands, and I I think this is a, a novel reworking of and and true felt it felt to me that it was true to its origins. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is very true. It's what the appeal was to me. Yeah, and I, and I, and I and I thought that was quite good. So mm. I was I was pleasantly surprised by Dan Deer in the fact I, I didn't know what to expect. I thought is this going to be another flick screen many so far, but it's not. It's more of a. Yeah. I, I, do you know what it reminded me of though? In a sense, with the little thing following you around and everything like that, uh, that Doctor Who game. Yes, yes, there was this kind of um, maybe whereas, you could say that, although more successful, but yeah, more successful. Yes, absolutely. Where the Doctor Who game didn't quite work, was a bit too obtuse and a bit too weird, and had pro- had many issues. Mm. This felt like a, an, an ironing out of that concept of having the little thing following around, you know, like nodes of yes on and things like that as well with the mole and stuff. Yeah, so it has th- has those influences, but for me, this was this was all right. I, I enjoyed it. I don't good yeah, size sprites as well. Probably. The sprites are a good size in this game, not micro sprites. Either. They're quite big sprites and well, well yeah, drawn. Yeah, and and. And, and identifiable. Yes. Those trains look great. Yeah, they do look good. And Stripey being the weird sort of single single colour sprite. It works. Um, you know, but it works. It works under the whole concept of, of what's going on. And and as you progress, it opens up and it reveals more of itself and becomes prettier and the graphics look get better mm. and it's nice. It's some there's some good stuff here. I think there's a there's a, there's a lot to like here and I, I would yes. I would recommend anyone go play this. So that's, that agree. was my take. So there we go. We're in agreement. Yes. Good game. Good game. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Should we say our motto? <laughs> probably better than the next one. Yeah, yes, it probably is. Right, yeah, so that's Dan Dare. We like that, so let's move on. Hmm, two. Dirt Legend of Sinbad. Sinbad went on a quest. <laughs> 
<laughs> so you play the mighty Sinbad. Sinbad, not the guy, not the guy from Brookside, the window cleaner from Brookside, <laughs> not him. No. So you are the original Sinbad, the one and only Sinbad, a hero and adventurer, and now uh, in in your own Commodore sixty four game. How pleased you must have been, Sinbad, to be in this game. So what is this? I'm just going to say that this is some kind of weird knockoff, like Beachhead two. Beachhead two. Let me come to this. You'll see why in a minute. Because it's essentially, it's a four-stage game. Yeah. Um, not multiplayer, but it's a four-stage game where some of the actual scenes are very reminiscent of Beecher 2, especially that third bloody camel scene. Yeah. Uh, we're trying to get things across. Yeah, shoot and the camel. things are coming in to kill it and stop it, and you've got to save the, protect the yeah, camel yeah, and get it across. Maybe. It's very much like trying to protect the prisoners of war. Yeah. But not the rest. The rest is rubbish. So this basically sees just four games here, essentially. There's four... Um, four levels of, of Sinbad. It follows the story that you get you get trapped or you get kidnapped or uh, arrested or whatever by the Sultan, um, thrown into prisons, thrown into the dungeons, and you have to escape. So the first uh, the first scene you have to progress through is essentially um, a scrolling Pac Man. Yeah, like a the maze. Best way of describing yeah, it. It's a maze, it's a maze yeah. type thing. So it's with monsters running down. Well, you have to pick up um, items, gems, and stuff, which get your points. And there's these weird sort of glowing green, blue, uh, green things which grow and shrink. And you've got to move past them, like shrink. I don't know what yeah. they were, but land on them, and you're dead. You die a lot. The collision detection's not great, so it's really tricky to move up and down any of the it passageways. Is. I found it quite annoying, and it's not great. It doesn't look brilliant, and the animations are a bit ropey, and nothing is particularly endearing at this point. So you can skip this level because there are a series of uh, passwords you can put in. Mm-hmm to get to the four levels if you don't put in a password you start level one if you put level two password in you get to level two level two is a single screen i want to say mario brothers type it did affair. feel like it didn't it jump up and down the platforms yeah so you had like three platform levels guards would appear from the doors which are on every level and you had to sw- i guess that was his sword um you had to swipe so. your sword at them and try and kill them and you had to and then they would they would weirdly fly along and i think quite they were diving mm. and it was very bizarre and, and you had to uh, so you have to kill them try and survive this level if you survive that level you move on to the third level which is very reminiscent as i said of the beachhead the third yeah the third beachhead two level where you're protecting the guy walking across yeah, the, uh, the stage the hey don't don't shoot me but this time yeah you're protecting one of jeff minter's camels from birds that fly down men that come up from the left and lob rocks at it and you've essentially mm. just got to get these camels protect them as they walk trudge slowly across the screen and you yeah. whereas in beach two you could literally pepper the screen with bullets this you can fire it's more like the early version of beachhead where you're yeah. arcing a arcing a rock one at a time yeah. into the screen and yeah. it's very very slow and unresponsive yeah. and, camel doesn't you know, die you straight away if it's them. hit either it does sort of fall to the ground and glow for a bit and then try to start to get up again it doesn't yeah that's what it reminded me of like Attack of the Mutant Camels and yeah, stuff similar get past this you get to the final level which is it's like a single screen it looks like it's going to be a scrolling shoot up but it's not it's just enemies come on from the left there's two types of enemies there's giant rock birds which are ROC the sort of mm. mythical birds they flap about up and down some flap multiple about hits crazily and yeah take multiple hits to kill them and knock the rider off and then there's actually guards on uh, magic carpets because you're on a magic carpet as well flying above the city if you hit them you've got to hit 20 of them if you get through them you then get to the sultan himself who turns into a big dragon and you've got to throw you've got to hit that t- uh, 10 times and then well done you escape and get away None of this is in any way particularly enjoyable. There's far too many issues with it. It's slow. It's plodding. It's far too easy to get killed repeatedly. Yes, it's great that you can skip through the levels, but none of the levels actually were worth skipping to the next one for. I didn't particularly enjoy any of them. The graphics are mediocre at best. Mm. The sounds are mediocre at best. You know... It's like, I noticed that because it's um, a single load and obviously they're not as good as the carvers at doing stuff, this suffers from the Dragon's Lair issue in that none of the particular, none of the separate 
scenes have anything particularly going for them mm. whereas you know making the whole thing into something it just didn't it was just i don't know i didn't enjoy this even though there was four different things i just didn't enjoy, really enjoy any of them they're all knockoff versions of better things and i didn't really particularly enjoy them so yeah the legend of sinbad was not something and it's 995 60 percent. i don't think it's worth 60 percent. if i'm honest that's no, not a tenner nowhere near did you enjoy it any more than i did it was all right i suppose one of these kind of multi-arcade games really it's a bit like a four-in-one arcade graphics were okay a bit small like you say collision and movement was a, an issue i didn't like you know have lives or a timer but don't have both because that just makes the game frustrating i think mm-hmm. unless that's yep. you know so it's a bit bit too easy to die and lose time which meant death also uh, i died for no reason whatsoever a lot as well it seemed collision on that uh, first maze level was was borderline brutal when you're trying to get through them weird doors that disappear and reappear i thought the music was uh-huh. okay actually the music did actually sound quite nice and sort of you know simbady um so i sort of forgive it a little bit for that there are parts of this game you could like if it i think if they'd have actually trimmed it down and focused on making one or any one of these games better and just made it make you know make it more elaborate around that i mean it didn't have to be a sinbad game did it at all really there was it was loosely related to sinbad yes very loosely but um i just found that you know the idea of escaping the what was he called salabim the sultan and <laughs> it's just all a bit all a bit much in this game that never felt like I was actually escaping from anything. It just felt like I was going through the trials of Sinbad, which would probably have been a yep. better name for it. So for nine ninety five, no, absolutely not. If this had been one ninety nine, I'd have given it a bit more leeway because um, it felt yes. like a one ninety nine yeah. game trapped in nine ninety five's worth of clothing. So. I think out of all the four games, I felt I thought that maybe the first game was quite an interesting explorer. You could have done a bit more with it. That that size of graphic is about the gauntlet size, so there's maybe some way you could have. Like I say, any one of those games like that one, if you'd have taken the other parts of the game away and just made it more of that sort of stuff and made it multi-level, you might have been heading into familiar balderdashy type territory. But at the same time, it would have made for a more interesting game where you would have felt like you was having to escape the the sultan as opposed to finding him but anyway mm-hmm. long and the short of it is 60 percent i think it's probably a little bit generous given the price tag but um it just felt like it was it this will probably come out for 199 later later in a year's time or something and at that price it's probably not a bad game if you want a little bit of a multiplayer game um, sorry a multi-part game but um no it was okay but it was just the graphics were just a bit laugh and the sound was okay but i just found myself just thinking look just stop, either stop the timer or give me lives but don't torture me with both because that just makes frustrating gameplay especially when if you're getting towards the end of that level four and you just you run out of time it's like oh really this is just stupid so yep yeah because it's quite it's quite hard as well to avoid those bloody rocks it's it's impossible really so um just yeah it is what it is i just think you know it'll go down in the history of the commodore 64 as just one of those games that's neither good nor bad just sits in the kind of middle ground of is neither here nor there really so yeah it it has nothing that jumps out at you does it no nothing and and one of these sort of multi multi-stage games sort of things like i say you're up against beachhead 2 you're up against beachhead you're up against yeah. raid of a moscow you are you've got those i mean it's just like i say for some reason they throw a sin baddy twist to it i don't quite get why but you know what? yeah doesn't didn't work for me at all so no. it's legend of sin bad yeah. yeah just go and watch one of the Sinbad movies any one of them are much better than this golden voyage is always a highlight yes that is a good one but we, no just a just a bit of blur wasn't it really just a bit yeah. blur yep can't really say much more we can probably say uh, less though about our next one oh, well, it's way better than this <laughs> So, yeah, so Graham, please tell us the joys of Velocipede 2. 
Velocipede. I don't know if I ever played Velocipede, the first one really, but Velocipede. Oh, I didn't. So you play the role of Mr. Mega Fat, who <laughs> needs to get to the beach because he likes to swim and it's... It doesn't like walking and it's about half a mile away. So you've got to you basically cycle there. Then from that moment forth, when you walk out and get on your push bike, it turns into a side-scrolling shoot-em-up, essentially. By the way, his push bike's called the Velocipede STA. Apparently it stands for simple to assemble. It doesn't matter what branch of nonsense they wrapper this turd in. <laughs> at the end of the day, it's a crappy side-scrolling shoot-em-up where you're, you're a fat guy on a bike shooting at just naff stuff, which you can't yeah. touch. And for some reason, your bike can shoot lasers. So you've got to avoid the creatures, <sighs> shoot the things to get to the beach. To, just rubbish. Graphics were blocky, horrible nonsense. The sound was, the music was so bad. So, so, so bad and annoying. It's just, it defies belief in this one. This is a real, this is a, in the special case of games with the sound that, make, that will make you want to set fire to things. <laughs> <laughs> it's just you know it's, it's an entire premise of the game is you've got to cycle to the beach that's it it's of no more thought than that and there's it's just rubbish so i thought it was just horrible for 199 still crap it didn't even use the full mm. screen or it didn't seem to on my emulator so i don't know if that was my emulator freaking out because it was so bad or whether my eyes were twitching so much at the nonsense that it just blocked <laughs> half the screen off so i think maybe my brain was just blocking it out but it's just utter crap from start to finish waste of time hated it what about you yeah, um, there were many things that I really didn't like about this. The main one was, why does it have to keep building the bike between goes? Yeah. Why? That stupid sequence. Every time. and Not just that, it has to pump up the bloody tires and everything and then get going. Uh, and like, <laughs> the thing was, I read the Zap review and the Zap were going, oh, this is dead easy. And I was like, I'm dying a lot. Yeah. It's those stupid flying saucers. I did manage to get to the second stage, but it was then I just got attacked by giant snails. None of this was enjoyable. And and to be quite frank, it was just crap. Yeah. It's a, it's a, this is a simplistic, I mean, it's a Moon Patrol knockoff, isn't it? Yeah-ish. Uh, uh, yeah, just, well, you know, just not very really good. Because essentially, this is Moon Patrol, where you're playing a, you know, Moon Patrol is moving along the thing, you avoid being shot, jump over stuff. It's Moon Patrol. This is what this is. It's yeah. a Moon Patrol knockoff. But Moon Patrol was, when was that? Was that 81, 82? Oh, God, it's a well early game, yeah. It's quite old, isn't it, in the arcades? Yeah. And if you can't do a decent Moon Patrol knockoff by 1986 on a machine that's perfectly capable of doing a decent Moon Patrol knockoff, then something's very wrong with you. And for even £2, this is, this is bad. You know, tr controlling a bike, the controls were annoying, the jump was annoying, the shooting was annoying, the enemies were crap uh, i you know I, I put bikes are fun to ride this is not fun to play i don't know why they called it velocipede it's like, i thought it was a cent when i looked at centipede variant i thought oh, well, this may have some chops but that's what i thought i thought it was going to be some really fast sort of centipede type thing yeah, or, how you know, wrong can you be very very wrong because there's nothing enjoyable about this game it was awful um it's got 36 percent, and i thought that was too high mm. yeah it's two quid but this would be two bad pounds Yes, two pounds thrown away because you're not going to you're not going to play this for very long. No, you, you you're not. You just wouldn't. You just go. Oh, no. that's two quid wasted. Consigned to the Sunday best drawer. I feel. Oh, very very much so. That was crap. So let's not talk about Velocipede two no. anymore. What a dog egg. Mm, indeed. Let's move on. <laughs> to our penultimate game this week, and we've got here we've got another flight sim. We've got Strike Force oh. Harrier. Bloody hell. Uh, <laughs> my first note here sort of thing is it's not saying a lot, but this is the best Harrier sim we've had. <laughs> yes, yes, I wouldn't argue with you there. Okay, you can actually say that. So, Because what was the other one? Jet Strike, Harrier, Jet Force, Harrier, Jet something. So anyway, so they've gone for the Ace vibe with this, um, I felt. Um, so you, you you fly a Harrier jump jet and you fly you, you jump jet and you, you fly around. So you take off, you 
pull the undercarriage up, you go about, there's different modes, there's different levels of controls, there's pilot, commander, and whatever. There's a demo which you can watch, which is quite nice, you can kind of get a feel for the game. There's practice, combat practice, or there's main com, com, you know, main campaign. It, it's one it's a it's a flight sim on the C sixty four, so there's a lot of blue, there's a lot of green. Aye. At least this has some floor stuff. So that terrible, terrible wing commander we played which was just blandest mm. of the green and blue. And there were some there were some things that I did actually quite like in this. So it's fast. It's fairly fast, I thought. It's yeah, fairly yeah. responsive. Decent speed. You know, the, 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 there's a lot of controls. Thank mm. you for sending me that list of controls because that helped immeasurably. So there's a lot of controls to get on board with a lot of keyboard flicking and, and trying to sort of shoot stuff and fire off chaff and all that kind of stuff when you're getting um, uh, menaced. You can... What, one thing I did like, if you fly up, I liked uh, the fact that you can go through and above the cloud. Yes. Which I thought was quite nice and it all goes white. Mm-hmm. Above the clouds, I thought that was quite a nice touch. You don't see that. I'm not. Don't think I've seen that in anything no. before. But I thought that was quite a. You know, it's quite a nice touch. Thought mm-hmm. you know, from a visual point of view. So, but what this comes down to is, it's a, it's a flight fight simulator with you know, it's okay, it's fast, but it's not Ace. And Ace seems to have nailed this kind of genre better than anything else. Ace and Skyfox, mm-hmm. they seem to have nailed this genre any better. And if you're gonna make something to go into this genre. You're up against them, and if you're not going to be as good, then I don't get it. I don't, you know, you can be almost round, but if the Ace exists, you go play Ace. Mm. Go play Skyfox if you want something more, more of an arcadey fast blasterthon. If you want a sort of flight fights, then go play Ace. This sits somewhere slightly below that and slightly in the middle mm. um, of trying to be a bit more of a flight simmy with a yeah. fightness to it, but just feels a little bit more dull and doesn't quite work for me. They, they rate it at 68%. It's 95 I think 68% is about right. I don't know. It's just, it's just it's okay, but it's it just, just didn't have the wow factor that certain bits of Ace did, like the mid-air refueling and all that kind of stuff, which Ace just seemed to have a bit more oomph to it, which, you know, for a C64 game, I thought was quite impressive. This just is a bit, yeah, it's all right. It's okay. I didn't, I wasn't, you know, I didn't hate it, but I just felt I'd rather be playing Ace if I wanted to play one of these. Hmm. What about you? What about you? Yeah, this was Rod Hyde, wasn't it? Who made this, and he was. I have no idea. Yeah, he, who's he, he? Rod Hyde was a guy kind of determined to make the ultimate Harrier simulator, um, and this was his mission to do this, and this was his attempt. And so, this is either not quite good enough as a flight simulator, but it's also not quite good enough as a sort of action simulator, action shooter kind of flight, you know, a la Ace. So, it like you accurately identified it sort of sits in an awkward space that doesn't quite work because you can't be one or the other and i think it can from from a graphics and from a game point of view at least it, it, it you know it didn't have the dullness of some of the other ones that were the insufferable dullness of some of them and it graphics were a bit faster which meant that it did feel a bit more pacing if you were flying left and right at least it felt like you were moving and you had enough reticule on the screen and enough controls to give you that kind of idea of flight but mm-hmm. the problem with these games it always falls down to the same thing if there's not much to do other than fly you either you have to really like flight simulators to be into that kind of thing because they don't represent flight very well now if this was full of things to shoot at like ace has got things to shoot at and as uh, skyfox has got things to shoot at then you cross that boundary and at least you've got things and you, you know even if, even if they flick across the screen in a microsecond like they're doing skyfox at least there's things to shoot at this although there was things and you could release chaff and missiles and there's all sorts of fancy stuff it just felt a little bit trapped not quite being good at the things it was trying to be it's certainly better than other things that have tried but it wasn't quite there so for me i don't like particularly like flight simulators at all anyway and if i was going to go to one and if someone had a gun at my head and said you know fly a plane or it's a bullet to the brain i'm going to be loading up probably ace or something like that i'm not going to be aiming for strike force harrier doesn't mean it's terrible because it wasn't terrible it just wasn't great 
at being the kind of game it wanted to be. I don't think it knew. So I think it's 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 sort of on the one hand, like you say, wants to be a flight simulator and you've got more controls than you had for the flight simulator than you did in, say, Ace and stuff like that. It had more direct keyboard control. And this came out on across multiple versions as well. The controls I sent you were from the Amiga version, believe it or not, because they're the only ones I could find. But this this came out on all sorts of different platforms, Amiga, Commodore right. 64. So it was, it was you know, everywhere on different platforms. And so I suspect maybe on the Amiga, it probably worked a bit better. But for me, on the Commodore 64, yeah. as is the, always the case with these um, flight simulators, it's just not a great machine for simulating flight. Um, not in this way, anyway. So 68% is about right for the price tag as well. It's certainly better than Wing Commander. I mean, that goes without saying. So, I don't know. I think if you like flight simulators, it, could, it might be one that you'd add to your collection if you were going to go for those kind of things and try it out and compare it to the others. And of course, we've got more of these things to come because there's gunship and all sorts of stuff later down the line. So, so it's not a bad old one, but it's not for me and it's not as good as perhaps other others that are already out. So, that's my take on it. Yeah, yeah. You were, I think we're in agreement. It's just, yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't, it doesn't do enough. It's not... No, it's not quite there. It's not one thing nor t'other. No, there'll be a Strike Force Harrier 2 and that'd probably be better, so... Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe Rod Hyde was happy with this and that was Maybe. that. Um, who yeah. knows? Ironically, it says that this was developed by Mr. Micro. Yeah. Um, Mr. Micro, according to Lemon 64, also were the programmers, I think, on... But I don't know, because it says Greg Duddle did it, but on Willow Pattern. So... I know, uh, which is kind of strange. I don't know what sort of all about. But yeah, so that's uh, Strike Force Harrier. It's just a bit in the in the middle of uh, you know in the middle of the runway, which is uh, you know the worst place to be. Mm. To uh, paraphrase Mister Piper. <laughs> all right, so that's Strike Force Harrier. What else we got left? We have got one game left this week. Uh, let's move into it. <laughs> that game is Fungus. Yes. Graham, did you did you have fun with fungus? What an odd little thing this is. I mean, this game is clearly created by somebody, and I don't mean to say this cruelly, who likes the idea of somebody taking mushrooms. <laughs> so yeah. the idea of the game is that you you live on a series of floating islands, and you like to eat mushrooms. And if you start eating mushrooms, you just start running uncontrollably, and in order to and, ju- and in order to get more mushrooms, which is what you're addicted to. But at this point, you have to run and. You won't, you can't just run and jump across the islands. It's, it's kind of a left to right scrolling game, but you've actually got you've got to sort of push up and down and sort of jump up and down on the pla- on these levels because there's trees that will hit if you hit them. And I suppose I'm trying to think of a game and it might, it's a bit like a crossy road kind of side scrolling crossy road almost really. But so you've got to sort of time you time your jumps across these levels, these sort of islands. Avoid the trees that if you hit them, you obviously you, you lose lives. And when you can successfully jump onto the next island, you've got to sort of navigate your way up and down, left and right, avoiding the things that are on the islands as well, which they hit you, they will try and kill you because they like to eat the mushrooms more than you. And so you're constantly moving. You're on the move. As soon as you eat the mushrooms, you're on the move and you've got to try and avoid the gaps and avoid the creatures as you collect mushrooms. And that's kind of the the nexus to the crux of this game. Now, it's a really odd game, this. It looks weird. It looks strange when it comes up. The way you jump is weird. You kind of curl up into a ball and fly up and down. It's kind of odd. But in the same way that Hercules has a kind of weird super repeat fast pace because it runs like crazy speed, this game. It's fast. So you're going to yeah. die, you die a lot when you play this game. So it means it's kind of playing on your memory of where the islands are and where the where you have to jump and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so it's one of those games where you're going to go, it starts and you try it and you die and you start and you try and you die and you start and you try and you die. A flappy bird mentality. As you've said before, there's a load of other games that have come out that are Super Meat Boy, for example, that are these kind of death, you know, a thousand times death but as you, you might progress a little one percent each time you die and you get a little bit further a little bit further and that does make some them oddly addictive 
And so I think for 199, even though the graphics are kind of basic, but interesting enough, but they're not anything great, but they're, for, the, for the sake of this game, they're fast and it runs at a crazy pace. And I'm reasonably sure the creators of this game were actually on mushrooms. I don't doubt that. Definitely shroomed out of their minds. But you know what? Out of that you know, crazy world came this kind of super addictive, weird games, scrolly jump game. So it's another Hercules. These games don't generally appeal to me. I don't like doing it. But for some reason, I found this one quite compelling. I don't know why. Maybe it was just in a different mood. But <laughs> You'd had a, you had a mushroom. I hadn't, as far as I'm aware. Uh, <laughs> as far as I'm aware, no, no, no illegal substances involved. <laughs> I just felt like I thought I'd give it a bit of a break because it's nothing much to look at. There's nothing sound-wise really that's going to jump at you. So it's totally reliant on its on its simplistic gameplay to carry off what it is. For 199 I don't think it was all that bad it, it doesn't ever get any more different to what it is so i don't know if it deserved 80 percent, but either way 199 for a game that is just crazy probably crazy addictive and probably a good laugh if you're with a few people and the premise would probably have you chuckling as well for a bit so it was all right it was all right what about you yeah i'm the same i mean my first note is it's just that the score the score page for this says mushrooms taken yeah yeah totally. i wonder how many they had making this lots so <laughs> lots yeah but i thought it actually looked and sounded pretty nice i thought the visuals were quite nice yeah it's all right i thought the ability to tweak the colors of the level that was quite unusual and you know you could have it different styles, but it didn't, really, it didn't change anything. But it just gave it a different hue. Oh, it would do if that was to match the volume of mushrooms you'd taken. <laughs> yeah, were you golden brown or were you fiery red or were you plain yellow? If your TV was kind of moving around the room, it might alter its <laughs> alter its colours a bit. <laughs> yeah. So the, my main issue just came when you started to play it. Really, it's quite it's very hard. I find it a bit hard to track where you were in the three D space. Yeah, it of is. It. It's because it's frantic. Yeah, because of the speed the speed the game moves and and when it comes to it, there there isn't that much to it. You just it's just an endless scroller. Because yeah. this is what this is. It's an endless runner. Yeah. This actually put me more in the mind of there's an endless runner where you try and hoover up mushrooms and we'll be seen way way down the line in games like Subway Surfer, but more more accurate more accurately, I think something like Jetpack Joyride. Yes, yes, actually, yeah, similar similar sort of thing. That's that that's that sort of thing, isn't it? Where you're just yeah. going tra- traversing, it's just yeah. cracking onwards, and you're going faster and going forward, and it gets harder and whatever. Yeah, it's certainly a challenge. Just gets a bit samey, you know, because yeah. yeah, you kind of try and learn the level. I don't like one thing. I didn't like though. I didn't like how to push a direction to jump. No, it was weird. I uh, just wanted to press, you know, it was constantly scrolling. So just let me press the fire button and then, you know, jump at the distance. I just shouldn't have to push the direction. I felt that was a bit weird and and, and sort of caught me out uh, on, on far too many occasions to be to be enjoyable. Mm. But yeah, two quid, two quid, 80% is probably about right because there is, I, I think you're right in the Hercules one more go because it's fast and quick and yeah. the turnaround is quite, quite pacey. This would have been better without lives. Just, just give you one life, go, high score, go, high yeah. score, high score. Because there's no real point. I, I think that it, when it, it slows itself down when it's giving you a score for the mushrooms taken. Yeah. <laughs> and, but, you know, maybe it's the come down part of the game. But I would have just preferred this just to be just that. Just tell yeah. me, you know, play again, good, go, play again, go, play again, go. And that would have been better because that would have really got the pace of this uh, into a faster thing. Having to go back to the menu every time and maybe change the level. Give me the option to do that if I want to at any point. Pause and return to menu. But as it is, the the, the notion of having lives felt a bit odd in this. So just give me one. That's all you need. Because it's mm. all that really matters, isn't it? Because it's the same yeah. every time. Yeah. You don't, you, you don't like start at level two. At least I don't think you do. Is there a level two? I never got to it. I just kept dying. No, I didn't either. So it's three just... islands in. So. Yeah, so exactly. So I think it's okay. It, it would have passed the time. And I think you're right with a few people. <laughs> I'm not sure if you'd have to be shroomed off your head to actually enjoy it very much. I don't know, maybe. I don't think um, you'd be able to control it or see it if you were <laughs> on mushrooms. I think you'd be just, you know, you'd, you'd be looking at the TV 
And then you'd look at your watch and seven hours would have passed and you'd be like, what, seven hours has gone by? It hasn't for me. And I'm still pressing playing fungus. What is happening here? Or you'd be looking, you'd, you'd be sat playing the game and then you suddenly realise you'd come out of your stupor and you wouldn't have a controlling around and you wouldn't be looking at a television. You'd be on the toilet thinking, well, what the hell have I been doing? <laughs> Did you imagine you that would, game? Or, or you would be in the game. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think you'd end up there. Yeah. That's what you think. But yeah, it's all right. I mean, I can't I can't get angry at this. I can't get anything at this. You say it's, it's a bit fun. Yeah. It made me sort of enjoy my time. There was annoyances, but I would... I think if they'd have just smoothed off the re- the re- repeat mm. nature of it, you know, got it, got you back into it faster, yeah. I would have liked this better. I would have liked this better. For one ninety nine, there. Yeah, exactly. I don't think I'd have been angry if I'd have bought this for two quid. I'd have no. been quite nice. Because there is... It does look... I think it looked really nice. Yeah, it's all right. I, th- I think it had a really nice graphical style yeah. to it. Weird, but all right, yeah. It is weird, but all right, yeah. And odd. Just an odd, odd game. Yeah, for, <laughs> another one. You know... Weird, weirdly odd. There'll be a special category for these odd bod games um, at the end of the well, year. Well, we have the craziest concept, don't we? So who knows what's going to go on there. And I think that's it, isn't it? That's our last game. It is. That's it. That uh, is it. So we've got no, we've not got any crap words or anything. I think that that's it. We're kind of done for this week. We are. There we there we go. That's uh, episode. What's this? Oh, Sub episode anyway. So that's your first batch of games from November 1986 uh, and music and everything. So we've looked at nine games here. What have we looked at? We looked at World Games, which we which we loved. Uh, Room 10, which we didn't. Miami Dice, which we didn't. Jack the Nipper, which we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sensing a theme. <laughs> yeah, Dan Deer, which we did. Yep. Legend of Sinbad, which we were on the fence. Mid- about so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Velocipede, which we certainly did not. No. Strike Force Harrier, which was again on the fence, and Fungus, which we thought was surprise okay. interest. Yeah, yeah, surprisingly weirdly interesting. But I think that's about it. What we got coming up next week? Well, we've got the second batch of games from uh, this month. So we've got things like Sanction, mm. and that's going to be an interesting discussion. I feel it's a very highly rated game, and mm. I, 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 I don't know. Does it stand up? <gasps> Who knows? Uh, we're, we're looking at Ninja. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Nomad, mm-hmm. Jeep Command. Well, I don't know. Weird. Is that some kind of weird sort of missile um, uh, moon patrol thing? I think uh, it's cleanup time, which is a terrifying sound title. Good, but <laughs> Ast- we'll, see. Uh, well, maybe you would have to clean up after playing Asterix in the Magic Cauldron. That oh, just dear. sounds like just play fun- the game with fungus and mushrooms. <laughs> <I'm gonna say. laughs> That's what I'm thinking. So um, I don't know what that is about. Then we head into deactivators, mm. and finally we wrap up our games with Alley Cat, Ooh, the, the return the, uh, of. Uh, Mr. Mr. Braybook. Yeah, indeed. Then we've, you know, we we may do something with the two Trivial Pursuit, with the Mm. Pursuit games that came out this month. We had Trivial Pursuit and Mind Pursuit. So we'll we'll have a think about if we do anything on there. We're not sure, but we Mm. we may do something. We've also got a couple of crap birds to look at as well next week. So stick with us for those. So, but that's it. That's it for this uh, episode. So I think uh, we'll call it a day there. Do you think so? I think we should. I think we should indeed. So uh, as ever, I have been Adrian Mills. And I have been Graham Ruddings. And you have been listening to Zap to the Past. And we will see you again next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Zap to the Past podcast. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into the world of Commodore 64 games, as well as the music, films and TV from around the 1980s, driven, of course, by the issue of Zap 64 magazine published at that time. We will return with a whole new batch of games and stuff to talk about next week. Until then, if you want to listen to or download previous episodes of Zap to the Past, and why wouldn't you? They can all be found on our website at zaptothepast.com, as well as being available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, Audible, Player FM, and, well, pretty much anywhere where we can upload them. 
By the way, we do always love to hear from our amazing listeners. So if you'd like to contact us about anything in the podcast or beyond, you can do so by emailing us at zappedthepast at gmail.com. We're also active on Twitter under at zapptother, as well as Facebook, Instagram, and most social media platforms. Just search for Zap to the Past and you'll find us. Oh, and if you like the podcast and what we're doing, please do like, share, review, rate us. It really helps. Something, apparently. The Zap to the Past podcast is written and produced by Adrian Mills and Graham Raddings and recorded at Flaky Bits 2.0 Studio. All opinions expressed are those of the writers and while we indeed love Zap64 magazine, the Zap to the Past podcast is not affiliated with it in any way. Stay safe, see you next time and remember, we play these games so you don't have to.